Fangoria has been at it for over 40 years and is better than ever. This gorgeous magazine is highly collectible and is delivered right to your door four times a year, each issue filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future with all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including, from time to time, your intrepid KingCast hosts. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, never online, so if you want to join in on the fun, you'll need to subscribe. And to do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since KingCast listeners are in the family, I have a nice, nifty whopper of a promo code to share with you. You can save a massive 25% off your order if you use the promo code KingCast at checkout. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad rub! Bad rub! Well, sometimes, that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast and the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We have a very exciting episode for you this week. We are talking about The Talisman, the, the novel that uh, Stephen King co-authored with Peter Straub back in 1984. Uh, it took me long <laughs> to get there. I had to pull up the Wikipedia page because I could not uh, remember things. This is the episode <laughs> where we're both back from vacation. So we're shaking off uh, a little bit of the rust. <laughs> Don't be alarmed. That's just the natural process of, of, <laughs> of this thing. But I am excited to be talking about the talisman today. Vespi, it's been a while since we talked about the talisman. Yes. Yeah, it's been it's like. been a, a long time. And this is one of those those titles that I was like really obsessed with when I was a kid. So right. it was one of my favorites. It was up there with it for me. Uh, I guess I just oh, like yeah. those big, long tomes that had uh, uh, children as the as the lead. I identified with them, I guess. Right. You're a big fan of kids. Um, and <laughs> not, not in a creepy way. I want to underline that, please. Sure, sure. <laughs> but anyway, to have this conversation, we have brought in a friend of ours. He's uh, he's been on the show before uh, over on our Patreon with his Pod Yourself a Gun co-host, Mr. Vince Mancini. But he's here to talk about the talisman with us today in the main feed. He is also a comedian, which means there will probably be some chuckles. Maybe uh, maybe a few gentle jibes. Too much on, pressure. On yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a very funny show. Uh, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Matt Lieb. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and uh, I actually plan to be very serious. Uh, I'm not going to do any yes. jokey jokes. You know, I'm uh -huh. not going to come in here and you know try to make people laugh. I'm not going to take quotes from the Talisman and change them to like God pounds his butt. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. I'm a very serious man who does the Sopranos rewatch podcast and a The Wire rewatch podcast. <laughs> I, two uh, very I, goofy shows. Those two things. hilarious shows that everyone <laughs> the loves. Idea, but if I may be so bold, the ideal podcasts for those particular shows, I think. At least oh, for sure. me. I, I would never tune in and listen to someone or like a couple of people being like ultra serious about yeah. oh, the Sopranos the, or The Wire. Like, who yeah. wants to fucking deal with no. that? No, and you can't, actually, because we are the only Sopranos that and The Wire podcast that exists. So, that is true. Um, but in theory, if there happen to be 
a Sopranos podcast that existed that wasn't ours, let's say uh-huh. hosted by some of the former cast members, um, <laughs> I would caution against uh, clicking on those titles because um, that's a virus. That yeah. is a computer yeah. virus. Yeah, it sounded made up as soon as you mentioned it. I was it's like, that fake. Sound like it's Russian thing. disinformation. We are the only one. <laughs> right. We were the only King podcast for, for many years. Yeah. Um, but I understand a, a second or third one has popped up. In uh, Has Stephen King the- started a podcast yet? Like himself? No. And you know what? I bet he would be good at it. You he know? would be. He's got that he great would- voice. And he likes, you know, he likes weighing in on on current events. He loves he That's fucking true. loves Twitter. He's a poster, you know. Like yeah. I, yeah. I can imagine, I can imagine him having a podcast that's basically like, you remember when Larry King would do just my two cents, you right. know? Like it would just be that for an hour, you yeah, know, yeah. of him like weighing in on one thing after another. I, I, yeah. I, welcome right. to the Stephen King cast. Oh fuck, this is already called the King cast. <laughs> uh, Welcome to Pod Yourself, the Stephen King. That's what he would call it. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephen King. Yeah, that's what he sounds like, right? That's exactly what he sounds like. Yeah, kind of does. Stephen sound King like was that. on the line, actually. Yeah, yeah. no, this yeah. is uh, Stephen King here. How's it going? Glad to be back here on my favorite podcast. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're just yeah. doing fucking what's his name from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> that's <laughs> Fred Quinn. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> pods are better. <laughs> You that's know, the name. Um, that's the name of uh, of King's podcast. Oh, that would be good. Someone pitch that to him. No, but if he started, it would ruin his whole thing because I feel like what turns people from like you know nice nice liberals, well meaning people into uh, hardcore right wingers is uh, trying to feed the algorithm. Mm. And so I imagine <laughs> after a while he would just be like, you know. I have some thoughts about the gays now that I didn't have when I was younger. See, I think that sex should be between a man and a woman. Uh, you know, yeah. and you and all has some good ideas. Yeah. Here's the thing about seed oils. They're bad for you. You can burn a hospital down. It's fine. Today's guest is Russell Brand. And we're going to talk about how vaccines are from the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Now the voice is so far off from what Stephen King's voice actually is. It's like a game show host from New England or something. <laughs> I you love know, it. Um, while we're here in the little chit-chat portion of the show, hmm. uh, I found out that you and I have a mutual friend yesterday. I oh, found this for real? Quite on Charles accident. Charles Manson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big fans. <laughs> Squeaky Frome. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was talking to um, Sam Haft. Oh, and- I love Sam. Yeah, uh, Sam was a guy who he for for people who are not familiar with Sam, he's a uh, a musician, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a comedy guy. He's done some uh, short filmmaking stuff. Yeah, and I think that's how he first came onto our or my radar was he was like I think he was a commenter at Birth Movies Death or mm. he reached out to me when I was over there. He did a he did a short film um, about Detective Pikachu that was like really gnarly like in this version of it like detective pikachu is like addicted to heroin and it's like the gritty <laughs> version of that it was fuck, it was fucking hilarious and so i ran it on the site and i believe they ended up running it in some of the draft house theaters i could be oh, wonderful misremembering that but he and i stayed in touch and then a few years back he got in touch with me and we were talking 
uh, we we just kind of talk on and off in DMs. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the extent of our relationship. But um, sure, I uh, I come to find out that he was Jamie Lee Curtis's godson. Oh, and, for real? Um, yeah, and he was instrumental in in helping us get her on the show because we went <laughs> after her and he had already put in a word for us like hey no those guys know what they're doing yeah. you know and uh she came on the show so i was asking him about coming on and uh doing a little bonus app action with us and he was like he was like yeah 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 he was really excited and then he was like also i, I should hook you up with my friend matt uh he he co-hosts the uh the film drunk podcast and blah. And I was like, buddy, (laughs) (laughs) old buddy. I know all about that freak. Yeah. Don't quote the deep magic to me, which (laughs) I was there when it was written. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He, uh, he told me y'all used to be involved in some, um, uh, communist Jewish manifesto sort of, uh, (laughs) yes, we know each other from, uh, from left book, which was just like, uh, back, you know, like 2015, back when we had all not yet left Facebook, you know, when it wasn't completely taken over, uh, by our parents who were just, you know, on there talking about, you know, uh, fucking, you know, QAnon shit and, and taking you know. random internet quizzes that's mm-hmm. mining their, their data Minions, and exactly. information. Getting uh, red pilled and having, you know, all of their fucking searches looked at. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love that. You know, I love I love your origin story, but our origin story is, um, you know, the fact that he and I both uh, had a Facebook group or were in a Facebook group together that had a lot of thoughts about Israel. And it was uh, all Jews, <laughs> and it was it was basically uh, you know as a Facebook group, a uh, Jew book actually, um, <laughs> as as we called it, um, in which we uh, just kind of looked at a, a lot of like uh, Israeli propaganda from the perspective of American Jews, who uh, you know we don't all think the same. People out there listening, you know, mm-hmm. some of it's us a rich uh, tapestry. Yeah, it's a rich tapestry of opinions, and Jews are constantly talking shit about Israel, and uh, it's uh, one of those things that uh, I'm sure you're not going to cut from the podcast. No, no, we'll leave this in. <laughs> All right. And, I, and he told me that he's like, believe it or not, this is how we went, and I was like, I believe it because yeah. the last time I was in LA, I hung out with Matt, and it was like me, oh, Matt, right. Noah Sagan. <laughs> but yeah. in, Schilling and Josh Rubin. It was like mm-hmm. right after the Kanye shit had happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all I remember talking about was, you was know, Israel. Like That's in, all we yeah, talked yeah, about Jewish, was Jewish yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you get a bunch of Jews in a room together, you know, uh, that's what's going to happen. We're going to end up, just, you know, yelling at each other about our, our opinions. And uh, we all agreed. Well, so I, it, was, it was great. I'm a big fan of your people. Oh, um, thank you. I, I, I cannot be part of the club, as I understand it, because I'm sure not. you can. You know, well, doesn't my mother have to be Jewish? I mean, that's if I mean, you're I don't believe what y'all believe to begin with, but I like yeah. I like the disposition of the Jewish people. I like. Yeah. Nervous. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> nervous, like, you know, um, kinda smart, smart, self-effacing, but also, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like outspoken in a way mm-hmm. that is meant to to, to target the. Yeah, uppity. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, a serious here, man of Scott's favorite Coen Brothers movie. Oh, I fucking it's love a, it. It's one of my favorite movie. It's a oh, great so movie. Good. Yeah. I have a team no, the- with fucking Cy Abelman on it, so don't, don't even. <laughs> yeah. yeah, question. No, me. that's right. I forgot that you've you've seen me in action just, uh, you know, uh, 
taking over the entire conversation to talk about Israel. (laughs) It it was funny. I remember after that conversation, Scott and I were like leading, driving away. And uh, we were just like, that got like crazy deep, didn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. we just had to like sit back because we're like, we had nothing to, we had nothing (laughs) to contribute to the conversation. Any any opinion we would have would have been unwelcome, even if you agreed with (laughs) us. No, I I, I am very pro anyone giving their opinion. You know, I just, uh, you know, as long as there's a majority Jews in the conversation, then I'm right. then I'm happy about it. <laughs> Safety in numbers. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's being the only Jew in a conversation where I get nervous. That's what I'm like. Well, well I don't know. These are my opinions, but uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. I'm times. glad we have the same internet friends, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh any friend of any friend of Sam's or Matt's or yeah. whoever. I'm not picky. I'll whore it up with anyone. You know. Yeah. Same. So same, same. um. Let's see. You were here to discuss the talisman, but before mm-hmm. before we get there, I think we need to discuss your Stephen King origin story. I know I, I think we probably went through this when you and Vince were on the show, but mm-hmm. because that was a paywalled episode, and this is for the for the main feed, let's um let's go ahead and get that as a matter of public record. Sure. Now. Yes. Yeah. Um. I don't actually remember what I said uh, on the podcast about the origin story, so it might conflict. something about being in synagogue. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely about being in synagogue. Well, I was in Israel uh, protesting <laughs> against the government, and uh, in between, uh, no, I uh, yeah, my I mean, my origin story is essentially um, that when I I don't know, maybe when I was thirty or something, I started working for Audible. Um, you know, as part of like working there, uh, I was a I was a writer for a few of these like audio shows they were trying out, and mm-hmm. part of like the bonus uh of working at audible other than you know you get money which is cool i love when (laughs) a job pays money um but they also had just a bunch of free audible books uh like codes lying around you know so you could just like get free books um and it was around that time that i finally accepted myself for who I was, which is a person who says he reads books, but actually listens to them. Mm. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I've now, I, I'm not someone who says, Oh yeah, I listen to the, I say red. I don't give a fuck. I read with my ears. All right. <laughs> sure. And so because of that, um, I just kind of was like, you know, I was just absorbing so many things that I had always, you know, wanted to read uh but like just was too intimidated by the length and you know whatnot and uh i'm i believe that that is what led me eventually uh to stephen king um uh, you know i i think i the first one that i read was it and um i was just floored by his ability to uh write children um, you know, I, you know, much like Eric love kids, but not in that way. <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, I, you know, there's just something about, uh, the way he empathizes with the way that kids talk and the way that kids, uh, you know, interact with each other and the relationships, uh, between themselves, their parents and other adults in the world that he like understands on this uh very uh, i don't know this very deep level that when i was uh you know reading it i realized like oh this is why this is why people uh like stephen king 
it's because uh, he writes so good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I just kind of was, you know, uh, I realized that I uh, probably was missing out on an entire world of stuff that it that uh, he had done. And uh, it's basically now Stephen King is kind of my go to author for um, when I'm, you know, back in the mood for fiction. Um, you know, I, I check him out. I, you know, I've just found that his, uh, writing style translates to audiobook uh, so well that, uh, it's just kind of, you know, it's, uh, it's perfect for, for me, you know, yeah. You mentioned something very specific that I've noticed too. It's really hard to go to any other fiction writer, even great fiction writers with great stories after you're used to King's cadence. Yeah there's just something that's just so instantly that draws you in, in a way that I don't get from hardly anybody else, even writers that I'm sure King would like tisk tisk me for dismissing in favor of him or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's, I don't know. There's just something about the way King strings words together. Maybe it's just because I read him so young. And to me, that's just his writing is what fiction should be. And mm-hmm. I've closed myself off to all other kinds. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I think with a lot of other writers, there's something about the pacing of a story that I feel like works better maybe to read with your eyes. You know, there's some sometimes there's like uh, the prose can be I don't know, it just it's more beautiful uh, reading it with your eyes than listening to it with your ears. And so uh, sometimes things I think do can get lost in translation a little bit. Um, I could be wrong about that, but uh, I, the, just the way that he propels a story forward and his kind of like deep understanding of um, what motivates people, uh, his, his understanding of the fact that like having, every book having a little fun cathartic revenge narrative at some point in the story is like (laughs) fantastic. Like I, I love, I love the way, you know, Stephen King writes bullies in this way that I think is just so much fun because you, you know, you know, you're going to get some nice cathartic comeuppance at some point. And, uh, (laughs) And, you know, he really, like, knocks it out of the park in it with the the entire Bev storyline, um, you know, with her with her, you know, weird fucking abusive boyfriend and stuff. And so, um, yeah, uh, there's just something that he does that I can't put my finger on uh, that is just so good that uh, it made me want to read all of his stuff, even his bad stuff. I like I you know, I think we had to uh, uh, for the episode we did for the patreon feed we watched the movie sell which like (laughs) fucking sucks right it's like a terrible (laughs) terrible movie and the book as much as it is like essentially the movie like as much as sell sucks you know on this level of like it's about a (laughs) what if cell phone bad uh (laughs) uh there's just something uh, it's just a great it's he he writes in a way that's awesome it's like fun it's a good story even though it's like you know it's right. stupid it's like he's such a good writer he can write he can take something stupid and make me enthralled throughout the entire thing mm-hmm. yeah what's interesting about this particular origin story mm-hmm. and we hear a lot of identical fucking origin stories you mm-hmm. know at this point it's like well my mom read king and i saw the covers and i was intrigued so then right. i read it 
you know, that's like, that's probably the most common answer we hear. What right. we don't often hear is someone coming to it much later in life, like when you yeah. started working at Audible. Um, that's really interesting. You know, I would assume that if you came to it later in life, you haven't read maybe as much as as some of the guests we've had on. But then, well, you've read more I'd than Elijah Wood. Uh, I'd be surprised, though, actually, if I haven't read as much Stephen King as some of the guests, because I, I have... Uh... I've gone through so much Stephen King that um, I kind of will, you know, when I'm going now, I don't work for Audible anymore. So I kind of just wait to see what pops up in the uh, the library app Libby, which mm-hmm. uh, I highly recommend uh, to anyone who likes audiobooks. Um, and yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, there's... I mean, I'm sure there's like literally a hundred other books that I haven't read of his, but I feel like I've read 50 at this point. Um, right. I, I don't know how many he's done. I assume. I think thousands. it's about 70 right now. Oh, 70? I think it's between okay. 60 and 70. Yeah, okay. I think it's almost exactly like 65 or 66. With the All right. Well, so maybe yeah. I've read 20 to 30. Um, right. Not bad. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I you know, if, you, if you read Cell, then you would have yeah. you, you you would be a little bit deeper into the into the weeds than than some of our some of our you, guests have been. Yeah, you might be shocked to hear this, but uh, Cell was immediately available on Libby. <laughs> no, um, turned out no one else had checked out that book from the library. Um, yeah, no, I came to like a lot of to most reading later in life, because as a kid, like when you guys talk about, you know, Oh, I read this when I was 15, you know, or I read this when I was a kid and all that stuff like that to me is mind blowing because I, you know, I, as a kid, I fucking hated reading. It was just one of those things that it just, it always felt like a chore. Um, I didn't understand people doing it for pleasure. I could barely get through it for, you know, for like school. And um, I really, you know, was I learned how to write book reports without ever having read a book. Um, <laughs> and let's explore it was, that. Yeah, um, no, it's it's a really interesting um, skill to have. It's like, you know, it's you know, I didn't I was not a great student, but I also was not, a, you know, a failing student. I I knew just enough about a particular story <laughs> that I had to read that I could like extrapolate from some small little scene that I had, you know, read in the book and be like, okay, now I'm just going to write all opinion about this shit. Um, and yeah, I didn't get a good grade on that book report. Uh, and some teachers were like, <laughs> it's very clear. You never read this book, <laughs> but uh, others couldn't tell. And uh, yeah, I know I just hated it. And it wasn't until <laughs> later in life that I realized that like, um, you know, there was this, you know, thriving audiobook industry and that there is no shame in listening to a book. And now because of that, I fucking I love not just listening to books, but also now I enjoy reading with my eyes now. Uh, mm. I just uh, I mean, I also had, you know, I have severe ADHD and even medicated. It's hard for me to, like, sit still for a little God, bit. Focus. Right. I, yeah. I was going to ask if you were were you a social child? Did you have like a lot very, of friends, do a lot of extracurricular, very social, not, not a lot of extracurricular activities. I was not like, not a kid who like had a bunch of like a, a huge group of friends. I always had like school friends, you know, uh, right. a few friends at school. Um, 
But uh, no, I was just like a, a kid who like, you know, for pleasure, I would watch TV, go to a movie. Um, mm. You know, it, I wasn't it wasn't like, oh, no, I was too busy, you know, like having sex with girls to read stupid <laughs> books. No, I was still a fucking loser, but I was like a TV loser. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was a movie kid as well, but I think that there was also something to to me like i moved from california to texas like mm-hmm. right at the beginning of middle school and yeah. so i had that that whole that's hard like, new kid i was the fat kid so yeah. you know i didn't really i wasn't super extroverted so like pretty much my friends were books yeah <laughs> that sounds so fucking nerdy but uh you know i had i had close friends and stuff you know eventually but it was like i had like one or two friends and it was pretty mm-hmm. much the summer was like, okay, well, I'm going to go spend the weekend at one friend's house and they're going to spend the next weekend in my house or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then I had like five days of doing like nothing except for watching movies that were, you know, either I could afford to rent at Blockbuster or mm-hmm. uh, whatever happened to be on cable or, you know, I happened to have on VHS or whatever. Um, so I, I turned to books and, you know, specifically Stephen King books, you know, was, yeah. was my, my thing, especially during school. The summer was a little bit looser, but. But when school was in, I was doing pretty much anything I could to just not be noticed, I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. Think that was my plan at the time. But like looking back on it, I'm like, maybe that was just kind of a, you know, a self-defense thing. So I w- never became like a, a bully target or something. I was always just a quiet kid, like sitting at lunch, reading a, a big ass Stephen King book, you know? Yeah. I mean, I knew Growing those kids, I, you know, I like would see, you know, th- those, you know, fucking nerds. Mm-hmm. And I, I and they were homies though. <laughs> they were like people I liked and 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 whatnot. And I remember thinking like, like, damn, that must be crazy to just be able to like sit there and read and enjoy it, you know? <laughs> like, uh, just I I I always wanted to be one of those kids, but it was just like every time I would you know pick up a book to read, I just felt like this weight, this anxiety. It was like fucking crazy. And uh, you know, I, I feel like now we're living in a time you know with like you know, everyone's on like TikTok and stuff. And yeah. as much as that's like horrible for your, uh, for your ADHD, at the very least, there's like a little bit of more empathy towards the idea of having ADHD. Uh, Cause like mm. I would beat myself up about it. I would be like, man, I just, I'm like, I'm so, such a fucking idiot. I just, you know, I would like pick up a book that I had to read for class. And I would just like, as I'm reading it, I'd be like, Oh God, I hate this. I hate, like, I could not, I could not even pay attention to the words I was reading. I was just like, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I'd just close and go, I'd rather die. And then, um, (laughs) you know, I'd go watch Drew Carey or something. I think, Um, I mean, the, for me, it was like, um, like the opposite is true almost in mm. that I read much more when I was younger Mm. and particularly Mm. like middle school, high school, I read a lot. Part of that is because I was in military school. And so I had Mm. a lot of fucking time to fill. Like we didn't have the Internet or, you know, we had access to like TV, but like only on weekend nights, you know, that kind of shit. So um, but but even going back further, like as a kid, books were a way for me to get away with reading stories or engaging with, you know, to Mm -hmm what was to my mind entertainment that maybe I wouldn't have gotten away with in another medium. And I certainly wouldn't have gotten away with at school most of the time, you know, right. Right. I got in trouble for reading Stephen King books when I was a kid, like in elementary school and fucking, you know, middle school and shit. 
That's um, crazy to get in trouble for reading as a child. Yeah. I mean, I've told the story on the on the show probably like five times at this point. But like, hey, what what are you gay yeah. or something? What you reading <laughs> with your eyes for? Now they they t- there was I forget they thought it was devil worship or some shit, right? They they took it away. Now they just said it was inappropriate, and you know called my parents about it. My parents were basically Fuck. like, "Well, he's reading." That's fucking you know? crazy. That's and, fucking and, crazy. And meanwhile, like the alternative to this, you know, I got I, I got a really nice glimpse at when, you know, I got kicked out of military school about six weeks shy of graduation. Mm. Got a little too much trouble down there my senior year. Uh, nice. A lot. Um, <laughs> and I had to go back to public school. And when I got back to public school, I had all the credits I needed already to graduate except for English four. Mm-hmm. But, and so typically what they would do, would have done with someone like me was put me on like a half day school schedule. Right. Like where I, if I had a job, I would have gone to, you know, work <clears> some <throat> part time bullshit in the afternoons. Yeah, but I didn't have one. So they couldn't do that. And I didn't have any intention of getting a job. So I had English four plus a shitload of electives every yeah. day. And one of them was like reading. And I was like, oh, this will be the fucking what, what a cakewalk this class will be. And the first day when I walked in, the teacher was like. Um, you know, who are you? And I introduced myself and said, I'm a transfer student, you know, uh, I'm a senior or no, I didn't say that at that point, actually, I just mm-hmm. introduced myself and explained what my situation was. She goes, okay, great. And then she like leaned in and goes, uh, and can you read? <laughs> and my response to that was like, it short circuited my brain. And I went, I'm a senior. Like, as though that made any difference, like, as though if I had been a junior, it would have made more sense. And she was like, no, I know, but we're just, you know, I, I, I've got to ask because a lot of these folks can't read. And I was astounded by this. I had no idea that that might be the case. This is like, a, yeah. you know, an upper middle class suburb of Dallas that I was living in. You yeah, know, I wasn't out in the, in the sticks. So, yeah, fucking encourage your kids to read, man. You don't yeah, want them to be graduating high school without knowing how to fucking, you know, get through a paragraph for God's right. sake. Right. No, I mean, yeah, it is crazy to me that anyone, anyone would see a kid reading and be like, this is, oh, so, we got to call the police on this child. <laughs> like, that is fucking <laughs> maybe crazy. Maybe Maybe uh, take right. that one away. Maybe mine come, yeah. but I would be like, well, okay, finish it. You're already, you know, we already started it, but like I, I would then recommend some get other the good books stuff at the end, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait till he get to the meat of it, the one where he's just like really realizes what's going on behind the scenes, you know? <laughs> um, no, but like you know, I, I just it's just crazy. It's crazy to me, and you know, so I was just not someone who enjoyed reading, and like to come to it later in life and to like realize that it is okay to be someone who listens to books and don't ever let anyone talk, talk down to you for being someone who, who listens. Um, that, uh, yeah, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I have this like whole fucking world of stories now, uh, open to me. And, uh, I yeah. was wanted to start with the best, I guess. And, uh, you know, Stephen King, he, he's the dopest. He's great. Um, and I'm always surprised, you know, that he's, still going at at his old age and he's like still like he has yet to post about you know um the woke mind virus <laughs> and so <laughs> i'm happy about that he's not he hasn't turned he somehow made it into a 70s without uh uh yeah falling into the fox news uh, right <laughs> trap you know that we've seen so many 
progressive people who were yeah. progressive in their youth and then somehow fall into being very old school conservative. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I think it'd be so easy for him to do it because like, I feel like, you know, reading some of his books, uh, sometimes I find myself being like, uh, well, he sure does have uh, a penchant for writing magical Negro characters. <laughs> like that is, uh, which I find to be like incredibly cringy um, and uh, a strange um, thing to continually go back to and like i assume he has heard um people yeah it's i feel like it's been a while i feel like it's been a while since he's done it oh no sure sure i mean i i, think- I don't know no, i haven't i haven't read one recently in which she has had that character but um you know it's just a little bit of criticism on that end for you know for a liberal author can usually that's all it takes to send them over the edge it's like listen i I tried to write something nice and you know he's a (laughs) he's a good black man and all of a sudden i'm a racist well you know what just cancel culture i'm fucking done with it you know it's like that's all it takes he could go full jk for sure easy easy for him to do that people don't like my new book one of the good ones yeah exactly (laughs) yeah he i mean look king's King has sort of a clunky relationship with race that oh, sure. if you go back to like the earliest stuff, it's it's there's some real tin eared shit in there that would yeah. not fly in, in the brave year of our Lord 2023. But <laughs> I, and I think that some of the the uh, some not all of the magical Negro stuff might be, you know, it might be a course correction on his part. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, I can only speculate. Um, mm, that's but, interesting. What I, what I, yeah. but you know, in doing the show and having been like a lifelong reader, you can really chart the progression. I think of King's politics through yeah. what he's writing. And it's very clear. And sometimes it'll be a minute before he shows up and makes a statement about this, that, mm-hmm. or the other thing, but it'll, it'll, it'll show up, you know? Yeah. My man wrote a whole fucking book about abortion and it's got like, <laughs> the fucking you know little bald demon doctors running around snipping people's lifelines with giant pairs of scissors and a and a fucking airplane <laughs> crashing into an abortion route like all kind of, like crazy shit but yeah. he did it you know like mm-hmm. it, it's um there's a lot of a lot of shit like that in his it's rare that an author um keeps going and doesn't end up going backwards politics wise it's like the fact that he continually um i don't know his uh, like his politics actually kind of improve uh throughout the years like that's that alone is is uh, a huge win i think i mean it's just so easy to be a complacent rich author who's convinced of his own genius and it's just like you know oh everyone else is just fucking stupid and you know and then you get stuck into, you know, the the trap of reactionary politics so easily. But he he actually does seem to learn and continue to learn. And uh, I uh, I like him. I, I think a big very, part of that is that he like hasn't him. let the, the, the wealth really change who he is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You meet no. that guy or, you know, listen to him talk. It's it's very clear. He is like that is just a salt of the earth motherfucker. You know, yeah. through and through, and he's never lost that about himself. You know, he might, 
he might have enough money to live in gigantic houses and have beachfront property and, you know, Mm -hmm. shit like that. But, you know, we went to, we went to Bangor, Maine and did a show there. And like, you go on a tour of that town and it's like every 50 feet, it's like, yes, Stephen King paid for that. Stephen King paid for that. Stephen King, like he's, he's like a real man of the earth. Uh, yeah or, or uh man of the people kind man of, of people salt of the earth yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah and he's, all, he's also a very empathetic person uh i gather mm-hmm. um and i think that that goes a long way because if you empathize with people you're gonna not want to be the asshole or be seen as the bully or sure. whatever you know you you put yourself in into the the bullied's shoes not the bullies's shoes you know so yeah 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 he does that's the thing i think that helps a lot too to keep him from being reactionary is that he just uh he loves bullies getting their comeuppance and i think it that probably you know stops him from uh you know making that turn um yeah it's probably so. why he was so vocal against trump too right yeah it's, it's, not, it's not just because he was a republican it's because he was a a bully, a bully and made, yeah. made no bones about it. That's that's yeah. not like a name a liberal us liberals name calling uh, you know somebody on the other side we don't like. It's like he's legit a bully, and that's what his his people love about him. They love the fact right. that he stirs up the liberals and and uh, doesn't take shit and you know is the quote unquote alpha dog, which is the hilarious most hilarious fucking thing if you ever see a picture of that dude in his golf outfit. You know, it's just like that. That's what an alpha male is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's an what alpha the male his, was wearing his, a diaper, son. Yeah. <laughs> it's like but that's what you know the the people who like trump like about him and will you know and that's why i think a lot of us you know uh that are m- more anti-bully or more you know empathetic are uh you know are so repulsed by the guy and right. i think that's if i had to guess that would be why i think king has been so vocally anti-trump since the uh you know since uh, the election yeah i'd like to think that people who are like deep maga you know must have never read any Stephen King. Um, but I just know it's not true. I mean, just like statistically, that just can't right. possibly be true. And right. it's like, I also regularly see people say like, well, I guess it's rage for the machine now. Every time like Tom Morello <laughs> right. says something and they're just like, oh, great. Well, I guess rage against machine gone woke. And it's like, hey, you've literally never understood what you've been listening to. That's <laughs> you understand the band name. Yeah, okay. you, um, like, from the, the get-go. Yes, never uh, <laughs> underestimate um, how fucking dense people can be. Yes, um, indeed. But, yeah, I do wish Stephen King would tell me where he got his ideas from, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, where does he we get? Should, we, we should ask him if he comes back on the show, Scott. Yeah, we should ask him please ask him. I tried, to, I tried to set up a little bit with him on that when he mm-hmm. came on the show. Because I was then, like... You know, we because Eric and I really did go out of our way to we came up with three fucking pages, like single spaced. Oh, wow. This is a show we do not prep for. Some of our <laughs> listeners will not be surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um, but when King came on, we were like, I mean, we were I was nauseous for a fucking month before that recording. I and can imagine. So we had like all these fucking questions, real nitty gritty nerd shit, mm. general quite but like. We also went through all these interviews with King and we're aiming for shit that people just didn't normally ask, ask him. And mm-hmm. I think it was Eric's idea to ask him where his ideas came from like, right <laughs> off the bat. Up. 
Yeah. And so I set it up like I told him what I just told you, like, like we've really gone out of our way mm-hmm. to, to, to come up with questions that you've not been asked before. So we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to start there. Um, so first question, he's like, where do I get my ideas from? And I'm like, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. The show he does. He, Scott goes, goes, God damn it, Steve. He stepped on my joke. Something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is incredibly impressive that he is that funny still (laughs) at this age where he's like, he knows where the bit could be and he steps Uh on it because he's, he's very, uh, you know what? He's very quick witted, very funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's another point in that episode where I like, I mentioned like the, the William Shatner SNL sketch at one point Mm -hmm. where, you know, he's like, get a life. Would you people? And then mm-hmm. later in the episode, I asked him this real deep nerd fucking question about <laughs> Pennywise and it and like how I'm like, is it possible that Pennywise is of the same species as the creature in the outsider, which feeds on grief, whereas this one mm-hmm. feeds on fear? Yeah. And also and like, you know, there's a character in the later Dark Tower books that kind of falls under the same category. Mm. And he just like listens very patiently to the question and was like, fucking get a life. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's so good. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, nerd. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here's no, an idea. Sure. Touch yeah, one yeah. vagina, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we should we should probably turn our attention to. Yeah, we, we we've been getting yelled oh, at uh, pretty recently for for the for not getting to the the meat of, of the don't ever of the don't to ever be fair, we are on topic. We've been talking about Stephen King. Yes, we have, and true. do not ever let the piggies bully you into oh. uh, you know making the slop the way they like. They're going to eat the slop no matter what. You know, <laughs> they're going to stick their I little oinky snouts in the trough they're gonna glug it down and yeah they may have some thoughts but at the end of the day they're hogs our guest opinions on the king cast do not reflect those of the, of the host or, or the fangoria podcast network slurp it up swine oh, i'm sorry let's talk about the talisman i uh yes. read it and we yeah, got to talk about for for someone who hasn't read the talisman what is the what is this book about in general? This book is about um a 12-year-old boy whose uh mother is a B movie actress and he's got a dead dad and um his mom is dying and he wants to save her and uh one day he runs into a magical black blues man <laughs> who tells him about a talisman and rather than uh, being like, okay, whatever, bro. He's like, for real? And uh, <laughs> he goes on a multiverse adventure uh, in which he learns about who he truly is, who his mother truly is, and has to go on a quest to find the talisman to save his mother. Hmm. Is that is that it? Is that yeah. the book? Yeah, that's yeah, a great setup. That's the gist. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it's funny, like the more that we talk about this and we were talking a little bit about the Dark Tower before we started recording, mm-hmm. the talisman really does feel like training wheels for the Dark Tower with the, the multi plane uh, aspect of it. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, is it, yeah, is and it's, it it's really in the same world, that. though, because it feels like it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of his books like end up being in the Dark Tower, like later on, like I read uh, wow. Hearts in Atlantis. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and, there's direct connections from books like that and Salem's Lot that are like, right. directly connected. But like the Dark Tower itself 
encompasses every single like a layer and in, in universe and, and reality. So um, theoretically anything uh, uh, is related to the dark tower, especially in Stephen King's world. But this one okay. in particular, just the ability to, to kind of flip between our Realms, reality and a, yeah. and a kind of parallel fantasy reality. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that feels very, that's playing in the same sandbox as dark tower for sure. Yeah. And it and was also read... the second, the second talisman book makes it very explicit. That yes. It's, that it's oh, is that right? Book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, no spoilers. It also, it, no spoilers. Yeah, of course. Uh, it was read by uh, Frank Muller, um, mm-hmm. the narrator, and who also does the Dark Tower series. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. far, the ones I've I've listened to, and uh, so I kind of was like, this feels like it has to be connected in some point. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what do yep. you What do you think of Muller, like as a as an uh, audiobook narrator? uh i'm more of a will Patton guy i don't know if frank mm. muller listens to this podcast uh well i think respect. i think i think muller might might have passed so i don't think he's... oh all right sick i mean r.i.p obviously to a real one um i i honestly it's uh i'm not the hugest uh frank muller fan um sometimes especially the way he does black voices fucking kills me dog they're like sometimes they're so bad that i'm like is he making it it more racist <laughs> just to be leaning into it yeah like it's it's very really like oh yeah, yeah hey how you doing it's like it's very really like uh, yes it's uh, he he yeah. puts it on like minstrel show style yeah, and he, I, he does he does the step and fetch it version it is yeah. fucking yeah. like brute especially with um uh oh, no, i'm thinking drawing of the three must be a, yeah. a yes! minefield yes, yes. oh yep. my god yes I, i'm trying to remember that she's two characters she's yeah, like, no yeah. Yeah. yes yeah so Honk the one Mafaz. Yeah, yeah. So when when she's the only version of herself, mm-hmm. I like had to at, po- at points. I was like, I'm gonna have to turn this off for a little bit because I fucking can't stand this. This guy is really going for it, and um, it is uh, quite problematic. He's, um, yes, you, you and I are in a similar boat here because uh, it's kind of blasphemy within the hardcore audiobook uh industry to, <laughs> to not like frank muller like, he and and you know and king himself says that frank muller when he hears roland's voice in his head he hears frank muller's voice yeah he does a great and, roland he does that perfectly and but and so like I, I get i get it but man that dude's like once you get his cadence <laughs> Like it drives me up the fucking wall and it like, because every single thing he does is like, and then Roland stepped in the door. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then Odetta said, yeah. Hey, Roland, you stepped through the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. And then Odetta said, Hey, Roland. Hey, bitch! Hey, hey, motherfucker! You just stepped through that door, ding you, bitch! And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I I get that it's written that way, but right, you can right. you can t- tone it down. That's a choice. Yeah. Hey, yo, and- bitch! It's like, come on, man. This is hard. I am. Um... Never mind. I like Frank Muller again. I like uh, I I I I know that I have listened to multiple of the Dark Tower books on mm-hmm. you know audio. Yeah, I remember yeah. like specifically. I'm thinking of 
I don't know, fucking 10, 12 years ago Mm -hmm. uh, to make some extra money. Me and a buddy of mine went out. His family owns like a fucking compound out in the middle of nowhere in Comanche, Texas. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, his parents needed a bunch of they own it and uh, uh, needed a bunch of buildings uh, painted, you know, top to bottom and shit. Yeah. And this is like a period where he and I were both in between jobs and they were going to pay like it was an absurd amount of money to just fucking come basically come hang out on this ranch for 10 days. And while you're out here, paint these houses and fucking, you know, uh, you know, make rent for the next six months. Like sure. it, was, it was stupid. So he and I went out there and listened to <laughs> we listened to a couple of the Dark Tower books on audio, like mm-hmm. while we were out there doing that shit. And I remember one of them specifically was uh was one of the ones frank muller uh narrated and i think i think the other one was too but i remember feeling like yeah i like this guy this guy's good for the dark tower series Uh i did not hear drawing of the three yeah um yeah um and or what about the the fourth one the one uh uh what is that called like wizard and glass wizard and glass yeah because he also does the voice of like the evil witch and and that voice too it's like when he gets a little bit in the more higher register it's a very grating and uh, for me i I don't remember i gotta go back and listen to this because like this isn't the first time this has come up on the show (laughs) (laughs) you know like i'm like i like that guy and everyone's like are you out of your fucking mind did you hear what he said did you hear how he said it and yeah it's it's just it's been too long i need to i need to go back and like i'm still on i'm still on team muller but Mm -hmm. i've heard enough compelling evidence at this point that i feel like i need to i need to you're you're in the majority there scott like most people love him and and i you know not not going to uh uh, shit on anybody's parade you love what you you love for whatever reason it doesn't work for me um uh george guidal is the other person who narrates um uh, the Dark Tower books and Stephen King himself. He did the first three mm. as well on audio tape. And he's probably my favorite, even though he doesn't handle the the race stuff uh, any better. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, but hearing Stephen King with his thick main accent saying honk Mafa is still one of the funniest fucking yeah. things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're you're on a, a much bigger island than than uh, uh, <laughs> than Matt and I are, Scott. So. I know. Yeah. I, mean, I hear you. But I've also mm. heard this now from people whose opinions I respect. And mm-hmm. again, the the evidence is compelling. So it's not even team... that I find it offensive. I mean, it's like, it's, it's for me personally, like I wouldn't, I would totally understand people finding it offensive. And for me, it's just a, uh, it's a pitch thing. Like the register is just mm-hmm. uh, a little much. And you know, no, it's I, like, you know, I mean, I know, what you, I know what you mean. I have, I have absolutely, I, it happened to me when I fucking drove out here to Idaho, like, uh, back in March, like I mm-hmm. fucking, there was a book. I, w- I won't mention the name of the book or who okay. read it because uh, maybe it might be tangentially related to the show somehow. Sure. Sure. It wasn't sure. a King novel, but someone had really re- like strongly recommended this horror novel to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was excited to, to quote unquote, read it. And I specifically went and bought the audiobook version of it. So I could listen to it on my, on the drive out here. Mm-hmm. and within five minutes of starting this i knew it was going to be a problem yeah. it was like yeah. there's no fucking way i can do like 18 hours or whatever yeah whatever the the runtime is and i and i i push i, I think i got to like four hours or something yeah it's like i just can't i yeah. can't with this yeah uh, it, narration is very important yeah. yeah and it's it's just a super personal thing like you're either 
really on board with it or you're just fucking not. And, yeah. you know, so I I totally get it. I'm curious what made you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you because you picked the talisman up because Black House was on sale. No, it was free on Libby and uh, I wanted to, to get it. But then I found out that it was a sequel to this other thing, the talisman. And I was like, um, uh, you know, I had a, a couple of audible credits and I was like, all right, you know what? I, I'm, I'm down for another fucking, you know, uh, series of uh, Stephen King series. So let's do this. And um, I, you know, checked it out in, on like Goodreads to see, you know, what people said and stuff. And um, the fact sure. that it was fantasy, like for me, that was um, uh, intrigued me because um, I, I think Stephen King is great at fantasy. He's fantastic at horror, but I actually find that like I'm not. I agree uh, with you. I'm not like someone who's like, oh, that was scary. You know, I've never, very rarely have I read a book and been like, I'm yes. scared. Um, except for fucking revival. That is yes. the only time I've ever been scared. Uh, because he painted such a fucking great picture of what the afterlife is. Um, mm, yeah, that's um, the. Uh... That's the book we that this show recommends. It's like yeah. a running bit is us like beating people over the head with revival yeah. recommendations. I, I read it because of your recommendation. Uh, oh. Yeah. I, and uh, then, you know, once I got through it, I was like, fuck, that was so good. And it just <laughs> like I was just like really impressed that uh, a book scared me because it's just it's very rare because, I, I, yeah. uh, you know, it's like uh, concepts in general, you know, nothing, nothing really scares me all that much, um, you know, outside of like visual, like visually I can be scared, um, mm -hmm. but I don't find that books um, often like can make me tense enough to uh, to spook me, I guess. But I'm, yeah, I'm that, with that you one on was that. good. That was good. There's only, you know, for as much as I love reading horror, it's it's very few and far between that a book can actually frighten me. Right. And yeah. King, like, God love him. There's only like three or four King books where I can like point at a specific thing and say that scared the shit out of me. Well, you know, mostly I'm just morbid and I like reading about monsters and people getting their heads ripped off. And shit, yeah. you know? I know we have to talk about the talisman. Uh, maybe at some point, tell me what the other ones are, because I would love to be scared again. Well, just I, I won't go through the whole list, but I will say that um, the scene in The Shining where they're all asleep and the fucking elevator starts moving around in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And then Wendy climbs inside of it and there's a mask. There's masks and confetti and shit. That yeah. fucked me up. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. seriously freaked me out because I could yeah. imagine. I could just it's it's just like it's supernatural what's going on there. But it's also like you could in that in that position, you could convince yourself that maybe there is someone else in this hotel yeah. and that they are leaving these things here. And who the fuck am I dealing with? I could imagine right. the, the pure horror of. You know, if you've ever been in a in a space and thought you were alone and then it turned out you were not, mm -hmm. that is fucking alarming. And, yeah, and so yeah, I can yeah. imagine how that would whether or not you knew it was supernatural, that's what you would think. And that that scared the shit out of me. <clears throat> yeah. Ending a revival scared the shit out of me. I mean, there's there's a few more, but you get the idea. Thank you, Mr. Rob Zombie. It is time for the 
mid-roll ad read. And this week we have a, a brand new sponsor on the show that I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but the summer is not screwing around this year. Temperatures are up, the days are longer, and if you're anything like me, uh, the last thing you want to do is wrestle with a big load of groceries at the grocery mm -hmm. store. Summers are for relaxing and day drinking and being in pools, not barely making it across molten hot asphalt without your frozen food items melting. And that's why I'm here today to talk to you about Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor will deliver flavorful, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals straight to your door, no fuss, no muss, so that you can spend more time sitting poolside with a gigantic margarita or whatever it is you do to cool off during this insanely hot summer. Looking to drop a couple pounds before the holidays hit? Stick to your wellness goals with Factor's premium ready-to-eat meals, all of which include high-quality ingredients and come in over 30 weekly restaurant-quality options. We're talking bruschetta shrimp, risotto, uh, Green Goddess Chicken, Grilled Steakhouse Filet Mignon, all ready to eat in just two minutes. Don't feel like meal prepping for the week on Sunday? Factor's lunch-to-go meals are effortless, wholesome meals that are ready to eat whenever you're on the go. No microwave required. They've also got protein plus options, keto options, vegan options, snack options, you name it. And with Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Uh, the company offsets 100% of its delivery emissions, sources 100% renewable electricity for its production sites and offices, and features sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Good folks making good meals. What more could you want? So head over to factormeals.com slash kingcast50 and use code kingcast50 to get 50% off your order. That's code kingcast50 at factormeals.com slash kingcast50 to get 50% off. Hell of a deal, folks. Better get on it while the getting's good and, uh, you know, uh, stay inside. You know, stay in that AC as much as you possibly can. We don't need to be losing anyone. People are dropping yeah, For the love of God, there. it is ridiculously hot out there. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. But very well done, Scott. I, I thought that was a great read. But you know what? I think it's time to get back into our little chit-chat about the talisman. What do you think? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. All right, let's do it. I'm curious, though, what you made of uh, the talisman. I decided that I liked it. Um, yes. I did. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I there were moments where um, I was very glad to be listening to it um, because the bit where Richard and um, oh man, what's the main guy's name? Um, Jack Frodo. What is Jack. it? Jack. Jack Sawyer. Yeah. yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jason, Jack um, <clears throat> are just traveling uh, to the hotel um, on the train. No, 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 no. Uh, on foot. Once they're once they flip back to um, California, okay. um, it, it's just kind of this very slow plotting build up. And I'm like, you know, guys, uh, you don't have what do we is there a word count you're trying to hit here? Like, let's get there. Let's uh, pick it up a little bit. Um, and there were characters in, in the book that I certainly did not like. I mean, Richard is got to be the mm, fucking yeah. dumbest character <laughs> I've read in a while. I mean, it's just like it's very much what if Lord of the Rings, but like Sam was a bitch. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like you. So you got your Samwise Gamgee. They're best friends. We don't introduce them to like halfway through, but they're best friends. And uh, you know, instead of like being brave, he's like Samwise the bitch. 
And uh, that's <laughs> what they did. They made Samwise, Samwise the bitch. And I, I, I felt like uh, just talk about a fucking nothing character. I mean, his only fucking connection to the story that is currently going on is that Morgan is his dad, which should make him like a conflicted character. That should make him conflicted. But instead, when it becomes clear that, you know, his dad is this fucking evil guy, he's just like, oh, whatever. You can kill him. You're not really my dad. I'm like, okay, well, what's the point of this character? (laughs) If he's not there to be like, you can't kill my dad, the natural thing that a kid would say, (laughs) then why is he here other than to be like, oh, Jason, my pussy. (laughs) He's just very grating, and I, I just found him to be kind of kind of useless. And and I liked yeah. their friendship. I I liked what it could have been, but I did not understand the choice. Right, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because like I read this book twice when I was a kid, and I just mm-hmm. had no problems with it. I fucking loved it. You know, mm-hmm. I was I probably read it when <clears throat> I was around Jack's age, so I was like, yeah. Long for the ride. This is me, baby. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm going to be this important thing. I'm putting myself into this character. Then I reread it for the show. Um, and I reread it much like, uh, you know, you read, I listened to the audiobook mm-hmm. and I hit the same part. And I'm like, who the fuck is this Richard character? Yeah, right. and, and, and I think the thing was, is that he, they, they, they beat the drum too much on him, not believing his eyes. Right. Um, and so I get it for the first part where he's trapped totally. in his like prep school and yes. like all the, the, the teachers are the evil versions of themselves and right. all this shit. And like that really creepy thing where they're calling for him, they're barricaded up and they're yes. calling for him to come down. And, and I get him going into a shell there and going like, I, none of this is real. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a very reality based person. I yes. don't accept what I see. Um, but then he's still doing that fucking 300 page later when yeah. he's seen everything he's flipped over to the other, you know, he's done everything. He's seen everything and he still just like gets down into a fetal position and holds his, his fucking closes his eyes and puts his fingers in his ears and goes la la la. And it's just like, at a certain point you're like, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm as annoyed as the kid as Jack is with this kid. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, like I get that that's the feeling you're trying to convey, but at a certain point you do want them to be buddies on the mission and, you know, or, you know, that conflict you were talking about, you know, where mm-hmm. like what's going to happen when, when he has to face his dad, is he going to stick right. by his friend or is he going to stick by his family? And right. And or is he going to be a, the one who has to, you know, bring him down? Like, like right, it's a, right, it's right. a trope, but I would have understood where the character fit. And right. Nah, I think he's yeah. just, I think the that Richard's functionality is just to be a fucking speed bump. Yes. He is, he is supposed to be like a pain in the ass. He is supposed to be just kind of a wet blanket yes. that that Jack is is dragging around but honestly when I think about the talisman like the relationship that Jack has with Richard is like so far back on my <laughs> list of considerations about the sure, novel. Sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah. like it's like it, you know, I, I'm because when you brought this up, I'm like, it hadn't really occurred to me, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely fucking right. But also, mm-hmm. like, when I think of the talisman, I think of Jack and, and Wolf. I don't right. think of Jack and Richard. You know, sure. I felt like Richard was a continuation of the Wolf character a little bit. Like, that's what mm-hmm. they were kind of going for. Um, But they, you know, because they wrapped up Wolf at that point yeah. in the story. And um, and so I kind of understood him to be the same kind of roadblock that uh, that Wolf was going to be. Right, I mean, right. 
I found Wolf to be uh, like I was conflicted about his character as well, but I I I at least I got the catharsis of like you know knowing that this wacky werewolf character was going to exist um and knowing that he was going to eventually be this like you know scary beast and we're going to see some uh you know a little bit of revenge happening like it, it it gave the character an arc which i ended up very much enjoying and being like actually i, I love this i love i love wolf uh wolf is a a fun character and for as much as he is also like annoying, I mean, the amount of times in <laughs> in their interactions in which he was just, you know, a repetition of wolf here and now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I. Or, or, or freaking yeah. out because things smell too bad or the yeah. sounds are too big. And yeah. Him not being able to like just stay in the movie theater. I felt tired for Jack and I felt like that um served the purpose like it made me as crazy as i think he was making jack so i i understood the character whereas like uh richard felt like kind of um i mean i don't know the order of i don't know when it was written but he felt like at first i was like okay so we have our like stan character here for sure very Some very stan guy, yeah. yes and so stan is you know so richard is going to be someone who's just like so uh like wedded to the idea of like there are things that are real and things that are false uh you know things that are fiction um and for he will not be able to handle all of this so i i liked like i was okay with him like continually not believing his eyes and like it was okay with how much time it was taking for him to come around it just by the time he does come around i feel like he still doesn't fully come around because he's not he's not yet accepted this as a quest as a mission that he needs to complete he's just complaining the whole fucking way there and i'm just <laughs> like bro can you please just can we Drop start on this motherfucker? Yeah, right. I was like, and it was very annoying too, because every time you think he's going to drop him at some point, you know, uh, fucking speedy comes back and he's like, no, you need him to complete the quest. And I'm just like, <laughs> come on, man. Why? Why? And, and don't set that up. If he's not going to be the one who like helps to kill Morgan, he's not, he doesn't help at all. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah yeah oh yeah that's, that's even more frustrating when you realize that he's he's hitting all the same beats that wolf did but there's never a chance for him to turn into a, a monster and, right. and rip some heads you know yeah. it's like and i'd be okay like, if it was then, the opposite why too. take wolf out you know it, it almost feels like they sh they said whoops we we can't just go back to jack being on the road by himself which I don't know why they couldn't because I yeah that was some of my favorite stuff in the book is that Me too. that Me opening too. quest stuff when he's like you know working at the the bar like yeah. part time kind of and weirdly enslaved and having to fucking dodge pedophiles and shit because yeah. he's hitchhiking yeah. across across the country and yeah that's like, or like meeting that yeah. nice guy um you know uh the one who like picks him up and is like trying to like give him like advice for like staying safe and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, like uh, there were characters that were introduced in this that I thought were going to carry us throughout the rest of uh, the novel that ended up right. kind of being dropped. And I felt like they weren't really given. Um, I don't know. They, they, they weren't given an arc 
uh, that I think some of them could have, I don't know, some of them deserved or should have had, or I don't know. It's just like, there was a lot of like false starts um, in this book, which kind of um, drove me a little crazy. But once it finds itself and the story it's telling, um, I, I did find myself to be like pretty enthralled by um, the world that they were building in the territories and found myself wanting to go back there as often as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was into it. It just, uh, it just had these, you know, kind of like blaring fucking inconsistencies that I, I thought, um, could be the result of two authors going. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how often he teams up, but, uh, it was one of the things that kept me from reading it for a long time was, uh, that there was another guy and I was just like two guys. I'm a one guy guy, you know, <laughs> you're a monogamous reader. Yeah. That's too many guys, man. That's too many guys. And I, I feel like <laughs> Stephen King, you know, for better or for worse, the, the, when he has, uh, you know, like if he writes something that's bad or whatnot, um, it's, you know, it falls on him and he writes something good. It falls on him. I feel like when you've got two voices that going at the same time, it did feel like it was being pulled in multiple directions. And I was like, is this because I know there's two authors uh, or is this actually because there is two authors? Yeah, it's wild you say that because I've tried to read Straub like on like just a, a straight up Peter Straub novel. Yeah. And I have a lot of I have a lot of trouble with his prose. Mm. Um, I I didn't have that problem here. Okay. And so, in fact, like the the opposite was true for me, where I I had trouble determining who wrote what parts of this book sure yeah and 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 i think i've read somewhere along the line that they there are they would they would trade off but would also be trying to imitate one another so it's like hmm. even stuff you might think is 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 king might not necessarily be him right anyway i thought they i thought it meshed together pretty well okay. and i think that um any of the misgivings that I do have about this novel, like pacing might be one of them. I think it, it sure. once they get out of the, the sunlight gardener home, I think <laughs> it, it, it hits a weird kind of lull. Every, everything yeah. from like the train on through to the end, I think is, is, is kind of janky, mm -hmm. but the world building of the, of the novel itself is so strong yeah. that it's like, I can write all that shit off. It's, it's mm. like the Richard thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Richard's a pain in the ass and he's a little bitch, but like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's, 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 it's just not one of my takeaways. I, I put this one up there pretty high personally. Like, yeah, on a, I, on like a ranking. I think probably one of the reasons why I'm ragging on Richard so much is because I have the same, you know, opinion as you with the, the pacing kind of getting off mm -hmm. right when he comes into the, the story. Right. And, uh, you know, so maybe I'm blaming him as a character for it. But, and again, I had no, none of these issues period when I was reading this as like a teenager and a tween, you know, it's right. like, it's like, but going back now, I was actually really excited to revisit it. Cause I loved it so much. And, and, uh, as a kid, and I was surprised to find myself like, oh, I'm I'm kind of zoning out here. You know, I'm zoning out yeah. in this moment. Like, I'm not really paying attention to, to what's going on. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Scott, where I can't really tell where the seams are. But maybe the fact that it does get kind of fuzzy, narratively speaking, and, and uh, with the pacing 
does boil down to that the fact that king and straub were uh passing chapters back and forth you like passing off like you do this one then i'll do the next one and and they were yes anding each other and they maybe kind of got to a point where they were kind of struggling to to be consistent with it you know i don't know because i think i don't know you know for improv sure yes and you got to do it that way but Mm -hmm. i do think that for um writing a novel especially a fantasy novel like you gotta have if you're gonna work with somebody like one of you's gotta say no at some point you know like one of you's gotta be like uh you know instead of like building on what someone else built on like you're gonna find yourself going down a road that uh maybe you didn't need to take right and so i i do feel like i mean again i don't know the process of how they wrote the book if they actually you know did go back and forth like that um that kind of makes sense to me because it does feel like there are points at which one sets up uh a story for the other and the other ignores it and decides to go off in a different direction there were like like i said a lot of false starts i remember when he is alone again uh he's all dirty and there's like these you know high school girls or middle school girls at a mall laughing at him and stuff and i was very excited by this because it was very much it felt very stephen king it felt like very like okay you know i want to see him you know having to interact with other kids his age after he has like you know gone this far in this experience i mean he's he's more of a man than the other boys his age now right yeah and they and i felt like they completely avoided that to have some another like speedy character come along and be you know uh, you know uh, give more advice even though he's not really giving advice because it's just like he's i mean at this point in the novel jack goes up to a random homeless black man is just like speedy and he's like i don't know who that is but uh hi child and then he's just like he's like you know fucking crying to him like he's his therapist and all i can think is that like i love the idea of this being just some black guy that he saw (laughs) and he's just like you know he's he's just uh I know it's you, and uh, it's just, okay. Like, so we all look alike, huh, little, oh, little white child? Okay, white boy, sure. I can tell I you. You're, I believe you're talking about a character named Snowball, by the way. Yes, Snowball, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and you know. Oh, no, like, no notes. No notes on that. No notes on Snowball. Great character. Useful and important. Um, But yeah, like, you know, uh, instead of continuing on, I think feel like this one track that they were starting to set up they go another direction and and um you know part of me wants to blame maybe the process of you know yes ending each other a little bit too much um could be but yeah um but i felt like the details were great you know the the way they described the hippie werewolf characters you know these like vietnam era fucking you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, farm, what were the, not farmers, they were shepherds, you know? Yeah. Um, like it was silly and also magical in a way where I was just yeah. like, I, I like this. I like, I, 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 you know, I feel like if it were anybody else, I would not give this a chance, but because it's King, I'm like, okay, all right, where are we going with this? And then just to, to see the kind of adventure he takes him on and, you know, even the stuff at the Sunlight House, actually, I, I found myself enjoying, um, you know, because 
we had gotten to a point in the story where it was like clear that, you know, Wolf was, had to be useful and they put him, you know, they locked him in a fucking work camp. And I was like, oh, well, this is going to be bad for everyone run by a bunch of religious zealots. And you're right. sitting there just going in going, Oh man, gonna, yeah. gonna see these, yeah. these uh, religious right, you know, fundamentalist uh, creepos. They're gonna, they're right. gonna get their comeuppance. Yeah. Yes. They're the perfect bait for uh, a Stephen King story because it's just like, you know, they're going to be all pieces of shit. Uh, and they're not going to know they're trapped with a werewolf and uh, the werewolf's going to come out and we're going to see him eat some people and it's all good. I will say I was pretty annoyed that uh, werewolves exist. Um, but, uh, oh, the whole thing where you can kill, you can only kill him with a silver bullet. Oh, that's all bullshit. You can kill him with like a regular gun. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> like, okay, well, shit. That's uh well, that's, it's a good thing, too, because you have that whole set piece at the end where they're on the train loaded with Uzis and somehow just Uzi armies of bad werewolves. On yeah, the train. true, true. It is, you know, I oh guess my God. it was useful for that. Um, but it I remember did. messaging Wampler after I read that part, reread, because I had no memory of that. I remember them getting on the train. I don't remember the assault on the train. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you remember that they've the Jack Uzi's fucking you know a whole squad of evil werewolves off of this train and so this guy was like what yeah it's straight yeah. up like it's straight up like one of the you remember when Aerosmith had a, a video game like the mm-hmm. arcade cabinet uh-huh. and it was oh, yeah. like you know it's it's like one of those games like it turns into one of those games where it's just like yeah. wave after wave. Yeah, Revolution yeah. X, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Revolution X. Yes. yes. Yeah. Your gun. We've we've talked. We brought this up on the show before. I, I was obsessed with that game. That's the one where you shot CDs at like New World Order. That's uh, right. Military. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was taking. Don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was wild to like. It's funny as I was reading it, I do, I, I didn't fully realize how silly it was but upon uh listening to you talk about it yeah it was pretty silly where they're like you're on this train and you got to dodge you know the radiation balls that'll burn you to death um (laughs) but when the army of werewolves comes at you don't worry we've got a bunch of uzis specifically for you to use and i also remember thinking like um you know i don't know how high caliber an uzi is but it feels like a low caliber Mm -hmm. automatic machine yeah. gun and uh i was like unless you got good aim i don't think you're i don't think you're gonna kill all them werewolves dog i mean uh but uh, yeah i don't yeah. know if these 12 years old 12 year olds um, yeah yeah have the uh you know small caliber or not i, I don't yeah. know what you're i don't think you're getting good aim out of an uzi to begin with yeah you know, those things fucking jerk up on you like real quick and you know uh yeah or yeah, I, mean, McGruber, I you know, know how, how it works yeah yeah <laughs> i it did it did feel uh like you know they there was parts of it where they filled in some gaps um with some action sequences um that you know felt a little i don't know a little forced and whatnot but um yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There was there was just something about like every time we were in the territories for me where I did find myself like more able to let go 
of um the critical part of my brain and let the story ride whereas like once we got back to earth you know him talking to a random homeless black guy named snowball and just being like you're speedy and him going i'm not like that stuff really stuck out to me as being monumentally uh stupid yeah well i i want to talk a little bit about my some of my favorite parts of this and that is the whole concept of being able to flip from our reality to the territories yes Uh um and the backstory that they give for it and that the reason why he can is because everybody has a twinner in the other uh the other reality right um right and but he does not uh because uh, because he was saved in this reality as a child when his uh, twinner was not so he essentially there's a hole for him to fill which makes it him uh uh you know, kind of uniquely talented in being able to flip between the realities. Mm -hmm. Um, And that concept really fucking grabbed me as a kid. And it's still, I think one of the strongest things about the the story is the idea of, you know, at first he's like drinking like cheap wine or some shit to, (laughs) to to, to like trigger his reaction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Michael Jackson gave him some Jesus juice and he was able to flip flip across into another territory. That's right. Uh, but then he's able to do it at will at a certain point when he realizes that that, you know, wasn't the magic at all. It was just I think he literally it. says the magic juice was inside of me this whole time. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Maybe not the best wording. I'm going to blame Straub on that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But no, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I like yeah. that, too. But yeah, I, I just love that that idea, especially when you when you marry it to a road trip movie, mm-hmm. you know, center your road trip story and you're and he's, you know. He's told like to stay in in our reality as much as possible because it's safer. But you know, in order to get out of all these sticky situations, he like flips. And I always love seeing the dichotomy. And sometimes the place the places that he's flipping from are just like a normal like the bar, and it's mm-hmm. like this demon fucking uh, prison hellscape. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that he flips into. You know. Oh right. Where it's like yeah. Temple of Doom. He flips into Temple of Doom or something. To, right. And he has to you know somehow get out. Um, and then flip back over, you know, when he's when he's not in the building anymore. I don't yeah. know. It, it's kind of like, um, weirdly enough, the thing that jumped into my mind as a comparison is the video game Portal. You know, oh, and yeah. just how that that like gives you like you're just starting to think extra dimensionally when you're reading the story. Like, how would I get out of the situation and and that kind of stuff? There's there's something about that conceit that's super meaty, and I think would play extremely well. You know, if this thing ever did get the. Uh, the adaptation that we've been promised since the eighties, you know? Right. I think you play very well visually. Yeah. I mean, um, I early on when the way that you would get there is through the magic juice, I was like, well, that's, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a baby needs his Baba of magic juice in order to go to the territories. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that it was, um, fascinating the way that they wrote like the you know in our world it looks like this and on the other side it looks like that like especially when he got to the sunlight home and he flips over and he's in some sort of like slave camp for you know demons who are like you know whipping the you see like their twinners uh Mm -hmm. like whipping people and so you're like oh you know the sunlight home is it just kind of made me think that like, you know, the the concept of other realities existing in, in the exact same location you're at and it explaining kind of like an evil presence. I was like, that's very cool. That's, do you know, have, that's awesome. Do you, 
Do you have an opinion on the existence of a multiverse? In alternate real? dimensions? Yeah, in real life. Oh, like, uh, according to string theory, mm-hmm. you know, which I do not understand. Oh, this is, um, they're theorizing there that should, there every, everything up, has strings. Should be up to 11 dimensions plus another dimension for time. Mm. Um, do you have any opinion on that? Yeah. Um, uh, touch of vagina. <laughs> That's <what> one. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. Um, get a no, life. Get a life. <laughs> um, but do no. you think, but like, do you think that if multi, if, if you could travel multi dimensionally, uh-huh. would you want to fuck around with that? Or would I you mean, be like, sh- no, I'm good. Like, this is, I don't know. I, I better the devil you know than the devil you don't. No, listen, if, if I could access the multiverse, um, I'd be super down to do it. Just sounds like something to do, you know, like outside of podcasting. <laughs> like, you know, well, no shit, but like, like would you go to fun. space? Would I go to space? Like, I wouldn't go to fucking space. I'd be terrified to go to space. If somebody had a spaceship and was like, "Hey, we, we, you know, hop in, we go into space," I'd be like, "Okay." If yeah, Elon wants to, if Elon wants to run Elon, you, I have to trust the guy. It has to be like, you know, <laughs> All right, now we got qualifications. Bernie now Sanders has a spaceship. <laughs> get in, get into my ship. Uh, it is the top one percent of the top one percent of spaceships. No, I mean. I I feel like in general, uh, I'm probably pretty risk averse. Um, but yeah, no, if someone, if uh, a magical bluesman said, drink this magic juice <laughs> and you will go to the territories, I'd be like, oh, you know what? He wouldn't even be done talking. You're already chugging. I, I'm breaking my sobriety for that guy. Of course. <laughs> of course I would. Um, but that's just because I'm a, you know, I'm a fairly curious person. I think in general, when people talk about things like we live in a simulation or, um, you know, the multiverse is real. I'm like, unless something has like a practical impact on my life, I, I, I just can't, I can't care. It just, my, my body cannot care. Um, it's, uh, like to me, it's the same as religion where I'm just like, okay, but what's the practical implications of all this? Nothing. Okay. Then. You know, I will I will soothe my fear of death in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Lots yeah. of weed gummies. Exactly. Exactly, dude. Fucking just <laughs> weed gummies and fentanyl. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting in this book that. You know, Jack's mom, uh, mm. Lily, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The queen She's, of the bees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. I, I think there's something interesting about the fact that in one world, she's a queen and the other world, she's just a B movie actress. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's something about that that I find very funny. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> cause, but, cause they're polar opposites. <laughs> well, I get, I guess, but I mean, it, it almost seems like he's taking a shot or, or somebody's taking a shot at somebody. You know? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Like, it, the, like there's a there's a weird little bit of undercurrent to that. Yeah, who's like, he talking um, shit about? <laughs> who's, yeah, exactly. who's the ex-girlfriend you know? he is uh mentioning uh-huh. here? Yeah. What did Angie Eberhart do to you? Right. Peter, yeah. You know, there's there's well, something there's something going on there that I think is really interesting. 
it takes mm-hmm. a similar charisma to be a movie star, even like a, a B movie star, like a Bruce Campbell or whatever. Totally. Right? It takes a, the same kind of charisma that can propel uh, an actor to, to become well known on screen is the same kind of charisma that that can propel a politician too, or a leader, you know, I suppose so, that's true. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's the connection, you know, cause I'm like the, the two most like charismatic people I've met in my life were, you know, it was Bill Clinton and Tom Cruise. I didn't meet them at the same point, sure. but I, but there's something about those two. Like when you're in the room with them and you're like looking at them and you just go, Holy shit. Yeah, like you right, got some, right. I understand why you were the president. Like just, yeah. just looking at you said two words to me, and I you, fucking understand. I understand why you're, you know, you you're the biggest movie star in the world. It's like you said this like, to them when you were at Epstein's island. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, it was, we were on the plane. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I, I I was I was able to cross my name out off of the flight log. So oh, I don't good, thank God. Yeah. Um, digging, yeah no, but but yeah, I, I think that it's that maybe that's the connection. Other than, or maybe it was just like, hey, it's funny if I'm queen of the B movies I mean, and I'm actual literal queen, the queen, and in, in yeah. what, you know? what you're saying holds water. But yeah. also, have you ever seen footage of someone from the British monarchy talking? That's a good point. They, <laughs> you know they what I'm saying? No like, they're the least charismatic yeah. motherfuckers yeah. on the face of the planet. You're like. Who are these goblins? Hello, my 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 <laughs> subject. Uh, it's me, your genetically inferior better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, they love, they love they love a hard R over yeah, there in the, uh, right. in the in the monarchy. That's um, right. Yeah. I, I just I just um, <clears throat> but I, but I I do I you know you you make a valid point. Um, yeah. I, I I thought you know where they were gonna go with that. Um, and actually, this happens a lot with Stephen King novels, where um, I find they're setting up a pretty, like, great allegory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, people, and then you realize, like, oh, he's not really focusing on, like, the fucking allegory as much as he's focusing on, like, no, this is, like, actually happening. Um, you know, so... You know, I felt that way a little bit with it, where you know it did feel like you know at its heart it was about child abuse and about you know fucking uh, adults looking the other way and um, things that go unsaid uh, in you know uh, small towns and all that. The um, magnolia but, of Stephen King novels, right, right. But then you know, uh, then they built so much of this world that you have to fight a giant spider at the end. And you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. It's a, it is a horror novel about a killer clown. So like in this, it, not that it makes it any worse. The, the allegory still works, but it does like, you know, um, it stops trying to be two things at once. And it's like, no, it's a horror novel. This is what this is. Um, and, and with this, I kind of thought um, the fact that he would like go into the territories and his mother is the queen, you know, it felt like this is not necessarily real, but this is like a story about this kid's coping mechanism um, and coping with what is going to be the death of his mother. You know, this fucking it's your mom, you know, that is the queen of your life. That is a queen, you know, doesn't matter what her job is and, right. and whatnot. Um, but again, it did feel like, like it stopped being that 
as we got more and more into the details of like the fantasy world that's happening with the wolves and the fucking, you know, uh, uh, the sunlight home and the, the, the train and you gotta defeat the army and all this, you know, eventually it's like, okay, it's not really an allegory for like dealing with grief and especially because of the way it ends. I mean, it ends like, as far as I can tell, it ends with, uh, he gets the talisman and all right, can we do spoilers? Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets the talisman and he saves his mom. And it's like, um, okay. So it's not really about dealing with grief. It's a fantasy story about a kid who, you know, uses magic to save his mom, which is fine. That's totally fine. But mm -hmm. uh, I did feel like they were setting up the thing to be an allegory. And I, I, a little bit was like, uh, you know, I know it's not satisfying to kill the mom at the end but like you know your mom's gonna die someday right and uh right. i feel it's, like it's the process of going through all of this is about like you know eventually you stop it stops being about um i i need to do whatever i can to save her and it starts being about like what's you know like what's important is being with your mom totally and you know like not not ignoring the the sickness but like you know being with her in her final moments like that that to me felt like like a more important thing to talk about but it wasn't really trying to do that so that's fine i'm okay with it you know it's not right. being the book that you know i thought it would be but yeah well, i mean i like it as kind of this fairy tale you yeah know, where the the boy is on the quest to save them save the mother you yeah. know and that 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 is more the the text it didn't need the additional subtext but they they dive into that a little bit in the in black house you know where they talk about lily's death um you yeah because she she's like you said she's still you know you, you grow up and lose parents that's just how how things go right right um, yeah you know but you know the we, i think that they mentioned that you know that this quest bought them many more years you know right. or whatever and uh uh, but, you know, you're right in that that would be interesting in that, you know, because it is something that kind of sticks out when you read it is like she's terminally ill and she's got months left and then he goes on a months long adventure. And if he doesn't get back to her in time, then that was months that they could have spent together. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a big risk. Um, but yeah. also because it's not the story that I'm trying to shoehorn it into it being I'm like, OK, with that, because uh, I am also very much a uh, guy who loves himself a happy ending um right. so you know uh that that was okay with me uh and i you know i think i just personally wish that okay if we are doing this like you know grand fantasy story like um you know make richard grow a backbone at some point you know like right. you, you you can't what are you just gonna be like this the whole time come on you, know you should saying? definitely not read fairy tale. Oh no. No. Okay. No. I think it'll drive you fucking bananas. Based on your reaction to this one, I I just I was just talking to somebody earlier today and who is reading their way through that one and I mm -hmm. I told them that I liked it. I I love Stephen King in fantasy mode. Mm -hmm. I like I like Stephen King in fantasy mode even when it's not really sticking the landing, you know. Yeah. I, I think fairy tale might might qualify a little bit on that. You know, you talk about pacing problems. There's that one. And again, I'm a fan of that book, but the pacing problems in fairy tale are pronounced, you know? Yeah. So I was hearing from this friend and they're like, 
it's been like 200 pages. When is, when's he going to go to the other world? I'm like, uh, very soon, very soon, like 250. <laughs> and then, and then there's a, a, you know, that's a long fucking book. It's like yeah. seven or eight pages or something, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And, uh, there's a portion like in the center of that novel where the main character gets like thrown in a jail and the whole thing just comes to a screeching halt while yeah. he's like living in this, in like a dungeon basically and trying to get out of it and figuring out how and eventually doing that. And it just, it takes a long time to get to, to where it's going. But yeah. there are, there are these like flashes of, of, of set pieces and characters and, you know, really clever shit that he's doing with that in that book where, you know, he's he's dragging, you know, fairy tale mythology, kicking and screaming into the horror genre. Like, yeah, like, for instance, like the uh, the main character encounters the little mermaid at one point. And when mm-hmm. he does, she is it's a corpse that has been run through with a trident. that's just like rotting in a fucking like a waiting pool. Hell and yeah. I was like, fuck, yeah. You know, yeah. Um <laughs> like that stuff really pulled me through the novel but i mm-hmm. i told my friend today i think he he had he had made it to the prison sequence and i was just like i'm going to tell you something if you're struggling <laughs> this much the payoff is likely not going to be worth it like the yeah. uh, the next 4 or 500 pages are not going to change your mind like you might oh, okay. like just maybe just go read revival but i yeah. but i but i think that the tal- the i i think i like the talisman more than you do um yeah. And, and I think that if the problems that I'm hearing that you had with the talisman were to be transposed onto fairy tale, you would be having a very bad time indeed. Okay. So I would probably, probably steer you away. I from mean, listen, I'm, I'm going to, at some point, uh, read fairy tale is the thing because, you know, <laughs> I, and, and it's because of I just like, told you specifically why you should not do that. But I go understand. Ahead. But the, the thing is, is that, I, at this point, I mean, you just told me that he's what done 65 books. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm definitely more than halfway through everything he's written. So I'm like, you got to complete it. I have to finish it. I have to just read all of it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to get there and I may not like it, but I think in general, Mm -hmm. when it comes to King, I've never regretted it. I'm, right. You know, and, and I think that has always sure. been my my big um, totally. issue with reading when I was younger was that like not that I would like finish a book and regret it, but that it was just such a um, uh, it was just such a hassle um, getting through something and, yeah. that it just made it like what I regretted was the time wasted, like the right. things I could have done instead. And And I feel like when I'm, you know when I'm listening to Stephen King, the journey may not go the places I want it to go. Um, but I never, very rarely do I find myself being like, bored. that was a waste of time. Yeah. Or that was a waste of time. Like I feel like, you know, I, that I took enough away from it that I, can say that i enjoyed it like the talisman i i did enjoy it it just like with me i've i've got a big fucking critic brain so like my you know i the things that i find wrong are usually the things that i end up talking about over the things that i you know enjoyed and um you know uh that's you know like if i were to say 
three things that I liked about the talisman. Number one, I loved Morgan Slope. He was yes. a great villain. Top tier. And, and Top tier. that and that is a hard thing to do to create a great villain because I think like you, so many villains are uh I mean, you know, it's easy to kind of just go like, you know, he's a bad guy. He's got he's uh, paraplegic with scars uh or you know, he's a fucking evil clown. He's an albino. You know? Yeah, he's an albino, right? You know, um with his character was such a specific type of evil where you know he's just like a um he's he's uh he's an evil tycoon and um and and a uh i kind of a hollywood evil guy yeah which as an la native um i know a lot of morgan sloats who would gladly kill their best friends if it meant that they could you know be you know the fucking uh king of all of the realms you know (laughs) Um, so, um, it, like the amount of envy and jealousy and like the whole thing where he's like, you know, uh, what good uh, is it, um, to lose the, lose your soul uh, or lose your son? Um, you know, what can you, or I, I forget is a, how they put it, but he realizes he's like, I gain the world. If I lose my son, that was his whole thing. Like literally he's going to let his son die so he can gain all like that is a level of um greed that is i think hard to make um i don't know it's hard to write that well and they wrote morgan sloat great so i love that listen up this might this might be a story you're unfamiliar with Mm. but i know of another guy who let his son die for the betterment of the world oh fuck dude oh (laughs) shit eric clapton (laughs) oh no i'm sorry (laughs) I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Uh, so sorry. Oh, no. uh, uh, he's a he's an anti-vaxxer. It's fine. Um, sorry, I, I too have sound effects. <laughs> and um, I was showing great restraint, not pulling out the uh da 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 Um let me let me ask you this. Did you did you picture anyone in particular reading Morgan? Or uh, like in my in my and I and I can't even just say Morgan. It's Morgan of Oris, which yes. is like such a pleasing yes. series of yes. of of uh, yes. vowels and consonants. Like yes. Morgan of Oris, just like yeah. conjures this like slimy, sluggy uh-huh. sort of fucking beast. Uh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you have I, anyone I, in mind? Yeah, mine was kind of like a mesh between Jeff Bezos and the Penguin. That's kind of like that's kind of how I pictured him because of the way I think uh, he is supposed to have kind of a um, a crooked like or like a bent nose or face. Am I wrong about that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, just kind of like penguin He's kind of style. heavy set. He has a mustache. He's bald. Yeah. I was, so I was picturing somewhere like in between like Dabney Coleman and Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah. works too. I just had too many positive feelings about Bob Hoskins to put him in that evil, you know, he'll always be Mario Mario to me. Bark, um, bark, bark. But uh, yeah, no, just like he he was, to me, he was the penguin and he was uh, Jeff Bezos. Just, um, you know, the bald, you know, slimy, round 
guy who will <laughs> eat a whole fish right in front of you. I don't I don't know what it was. There was some there's something in the description uh, of him that that put Michael Ironside like circa Oh sure. Um, mm. Total sure. recall. You yeah. Know, you know, kind of that for whatever reason when I think of Morgan Sloat, I think of Ironside um in in his like despicable prime. Totally. Ironside I think is too I think I I think Ironside is too handsome. I mean, like, yeah, he is, he is people like Michael Ironside is not ending up on any like top 10 hottest celebrity list. But Morgan, Morgan Sloat, Morgan of Oris, like I picture just like a fucking like if you saw a picture of Morgan of Oris, you could smell that photo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's a greasy motherfucker. Yeah. And they're going to yeah. have to think about this because and this, you know, we'll uh, we'll kind of bring it in for a landing with this, with mm-hmm. this question. Like. <sighs> notably and i was thinking about this when you were talking about the ending earlier about how it's mm-hmm. not necessarily thematically correct but it is the happy ending mm-hmm. you know steven spielberg bought the rights to this book mm. uh, when it came out in perpetuity right. you know which is why as like, a matter of fact he bought it before it came out i just i just yes. dug up that thing he bought it two years before it was published wow. yeah. and and that was the last time king ever made a deal like that because as you have probably noticed, there is no talisman movie, despite the fact mm-hmm. that they have thrown an untold number of screenwriters and directors. And, you know, like when I was covering movies, it was every two years you would hear something about a talisman movie. It never fucking happened. But now, apparently, the Duffer brothers who are running Stranger Things over at Netflix. Right. Are doing this as as a series with. Steven Spielberg on to executive produce. I mean, he's going to do that no matter what, because he has the fucking rights. But, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, how do you how do you feel about that? And and are there are there people that you would fan cast into mm. any particular roles like, you know, let's 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 end on 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 this conversation. OK, so um, how I feel about it in general is um I think when it's adapted, it has to be a series. It has to be a TV show. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it's a show. I think the all of the downsides that I mentioned of uh, the the book um, are stuff that can be easily fixed, in my opinion. Sure. I think if they make a show, I guarantee Richard gonna do something. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, I guarantee you they handle, um, speedy and snowball in a different way. Not to say that they want, these are, you know, that speedy won't exist, but you know, um, they will not make it as much of a trope as they did. So I, I'm, I'm always happy when I hear that there's going to be a Stephen King adaptation. I, I am, I'm more oftentimes than not, you know, not entirely stoked on the final product but um i find that you know if one out of every 10 of your adaptations and one of them is fucking shawshank redemption then it's fucking worth it you know what i'm saying (laughs) um like it's like fucking one of the greatest movies ever um so uh and again fucking a lot of times i mean that with with that one it had to be a short story adapt his short stories and they'll be great um yeah what well, did you uh, well on that note? Did you see the Boogeyman? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't see the Boogeyman. Is that any good? 
Yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah, I like, think it's, but, I, but it's it's a really good example, I think, of what you're talking about with mm-hmm. extrapolating the short stories into a feature versus yes. trying to condense. Yes. Um, and the boogeyman, like, sort of, like, the opening scene of that movie is essentially the short story. And then it yeah. that's, like, the springboard into this other story. I don't yes. know that I would have told the story the same way because it, you know, it's still dealing with this this trauma bullshit that I'm mm-hmm. just like completely over in yeah. with with horror stuff. I'm I'm yeah. fucking sick to death of it. But yeah. also like it's a it's a good version of that. And mm-hmm. you like for my money, you just can't argue with the uh, the uh, scary set pieces in that. Movie. Yeah, they're just like fucking really sharp. So it's like so I was I was fine you know, kind of putting up with some stuff I don't normally like right. in exchange for really, really like uh, sharply executed uh, set pieces. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so like, I mean, I, I, even if the movie is bad, I'm okay with it, you know? And especially if they do it like, right. If they have anything that they do, right. I get excited about it. I mean, for me, I think um, the outsider is probably my favorite series based on a mm-hmm. Stephen King uh mm-hmm. novel and so if you can do something like that then you know with the talisman then I'm stoked on it you know I I think right. I think that's great um and yeah I I I hope they do it um in terms of like who would I cast uh you know I'm not like as up to date with the like children anymore you know I don't I used to have lists of children. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. that's what you want. No, have. who I thought were good actors. All right, calm down. Yeah. Let me finish my sentence. Who I thought were good actors and like hot, and I feel <laughs> like yeah, no, you had I'm... countdown clocks on the pages that you mm-hmm. set up, which exactly beyond the pale to me. <laughs> when is Haley Joel Osment eighteen dot com? So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I think the Duffer that brothers... face gonna shrink. Yeah, I want to see the the just the whole head get big, but the face gets small. Um, no. So um, uh, I think the Duffer brothers are, are a great choice for it. I think, you know, I've been pretty fucking impressed with stranger things. Um, you know, as much as it's been overhyped and whatnot, it's like something that, you know, I'll, I, when the new season ca- comes out, I watch it and I'm like thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. I'm surprised um, to hear that. Yeah, it's you know, you for me you don't strike me as a stranger things. Well, that's the thing. The, there's a million reasons why I wouldn't like that show. And the fact that it like keeps my attention, mm-hmm. um, kind of that's I think what impresses me about it is that like I um is like I fucking hate the whole like, you know, remember this whole thing that they do. Uh I find myself like just scoffing at the uh the amount of like nostalgia porn that they do. Mm-hmm. But they are doing a great job making me invested in the characters. And so the fact that I am invested and the fact that I don't see everyone as this like fucking it's they're an invincible kid doesn't matter what happens every situation has no tension no (coughs) tension sorry my throat (laughs) Uh, 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 give me a second 
my voice is going to sound weird. Now I sound <laughs> like I sound like uh, Jordan Peterson when he's talking about Peter Pan. We're leaving um, all this in, by the way. <clears throat> I don't know. You know, at some point, my throat just got I got a frog in there. All right. <clears throat> The, the point that I was making was that the <laughs> fact that, like, uh, I I find that the show has tension mm-hmm. and can keep me engaged in whether or not, like, giving a shit if a character gets hurt. Uh, yeah. Like, that to me is impressive. And I actually find a lot of, like, parallels between, like, King and uh, <clears throat> and Stranger Things and that, like, you oh, know, yeah. he, he does write kids very well, you know? Yeah. He, 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 or I mean the Duffer brothers do they I yeah. care about those relationships yep I uh I interviewed the Duffers <laughs> and they they told told me that the their two the two Stevens are uh kind of rule them you know as creative influences and that's King and Spielberg and you watch mm. Stranger Things is like that's the no shit statement of the year but uh right, right, right. uh but what's interesting to me about them making a, a talisman series is that Stranger Things is almost a dry run for that. You know, yeah. the upside down is, is totally. like the horror version of the territories. Totally. And uh, even to the point where they had uh, Lucas reading uh, the talisman in the final episode of the last season, mm. you know, where it's just like, and he's, he was reading it to Max as she's in, in the, the bed. Sorry, spoilers, you know, recovering or mm-hmm. lost or in a coma or whatever the fuck's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not a coincidence, you know? And so they're, they're very much paying homage to, uh, you know, to their creative influences. So it's about sure. time that they make, they make a Stephen King thing. And the fact that they would make it with Steven Spielberg is only like the most perfect, you know, know. <laughs> combination of elements. I know it's perfect. For those people. Now, whether or not it happens, I guess we'll see like Netflix seems to be store, you know, storming the, uh, the downfall <clears throat> of streaming, you know, yeah, I know. Every, but also everybody like the else. The Duffers are their fucking golden boys. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're, 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 they're Spielberg, Spielberg, for sure. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I think they are gonna bring Stranger Things in for a landing in this next season, and and then they'll yeah. get started on this. So I think it's gonna be like some years before we. Yeah, they, they've. They, I know they announced it a long time ago that they were doing the Talisman, but they also uh, uh, and in the announcement were very clear that they were gonna finish the new season of Stranger Things first. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause the new season, I like you're right, Scott. I think it's supposed to be the, the final one, at least the final one for this cast that they said there might be spinoffs or continuations or other things happening, but it wouldn't be this thing, which I have to imagine gives the Duffers a little freedom to step back. So, well, um, let me, let me ask yeah. you this because this is my, this is my concern with the Duffers doing, uh, mm. the talisman. Like, um, mm. I, I watched the. And and bear with me. I, I just want to like bring you to to my headspace. But all right, the the first season of Stranger Things dropped. I, I if I remember correctly, there was like fucking zero promotion for it. Mm. Like my my memory is my then wife and I were like looking for something to watch on a Friday night, and it was like new to Netflix, and it was like oh let's try this, and we just went ape shit for it. You know, watched right. the entire thing in one sitting. You know, like just loved it. And then the second season came along and I got like two or three episodes in was like, I don't like this anymore. Like there was, yeah. there was something about it that, that felt manufactured in a way that the first season didn't. And a lot of the, the complaints I heard from, you know, friends of mine that didn't like that first season, of stranger things that were like, Oh, it's nostalgia porn. And, you know, right. 
I fucking I remember a guy I was working with at the time, like being like big time mad because one of the kids had a thing poster on his bedroom wall. And like, you know, at the time this was set, like he couldn't possibly have had a thing poster on his wall because, you know, that was a bomb at the time. And like no one would have liked that and blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, what the what? Shut up, nerd. Who gives a shit? You know, Um, and I, I, I sort of like waved away all those complaints. But then I. You know, they're like showing up as Ghostbusters in the second one. And, like, yeah. you know, and I, I remember thinking, like, oh, see, this is that shit that <laughs> these other people were talking about. And I kind of fell off and have not gone back to it since. I understand it's like a huge cultural phenomenon. I understand right. I'm very much in the minority on this. And that's fine. I don't, I don't, as a rule, I don't talk shit about Stranger Things because a lot of people like it. And what, what's the fucking point of being like, I didn't like that. And I stopped yeah. watching four <clears throat> years ago. Like fucking. So, so here's don't my, yuck my yum. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I try not to do that. Like, I fucking hate it when I when I tweet something. I'm like, I fucking love this movie. And here's why. And then someone's like, yeah, it was fucking bullshit. You're like, right, right. Fucking throw yourself off a cliff. Right. Um, <laughs> but what I'm getting to is this. I, yeah. I think the talisman needs to be a harder have a harder edge to it than what I remember stranger things being like mm. at that mm. time. Right. Well, yes. So do you think there's, is there anything in those later seasons of stranger things that I have not watched that would indicate that these guys yes. have that hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. This, this okay. last season is, is pretty brutal. This last season. Yes. If, if the first stranger things is kind of like fire startery, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the main flavor. This last it's season, very PG 13. This last season's Nightmare on Elm Street, and yeah, it's, okay, uh-huh. and and it's you know like what uh, Matt was saying is like you you come to see pretty quickly that just because our main characters are still teenagers or kids or whatever, they're not safe, and they get fucked up by the bad guy in this one, like right. real, real bad. And I think um, isn't Robert yeah. Unglin literally? Yeah, he yeah they 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 cast Robert England as like this guy that's uh uh the that's maybe holds the secret of, of why, you know, these, the, these uh, kids are being tormented by something, not quite in their dreams, but not all, you know, but it's very similar to that. Oh, They're t- being tormented and, and hunted by, by something. It yeah. is Robert England. I always yeah. put the U at the Unglund? beginning. I thought, yeah. his, I thought his name was Unglund. Unglund. No, <laughs> See, you learn, you learn something oh, every day. Shit. His name is England. Yeah. I thought it was England. Sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> turning back to fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Davy Beckham fish and chips, England. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, there's there's definitely it well, right. and I also think I think you, you dropped off at the lowest point of the show, totally. which is totally fair. Uh, but season three, like, decides to say, like, fuck it, we're just going to shake it off and be a mm-hmm. wholly different kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. by season four, you're like, oh, this isn't, you know, it's kind of doing a little bit what the Harry Potter movies did is like. In the I was books, about they, to say, that's as exactly they right. Grow, they're growing with their audience, so they're getting harder and more intense uh, as they're growing. So, yeah, it's, and uh, they're realizing that, like, you know, yeah. like gender 
there's only two of them, <laughs> just like the Harry Potter oh, book. No. Oh, no, um, just like the Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. No, uh, no, I was gonna actually compare it to the Harry Potter movies, where it's like I, I very much enjoyed um, the first Harry Potter like a lot. Like, and I, I saw that uh, I was young, but I was not a kid, and I saw it and it reminded me of like, you know, like a movie for a kid, and I don't know, it had that feeling of like you know Spielberg type movie. Um, and the same thing with the season one of, of, of Stranger Things, where it's just yeah. like it put me in the like kid shoes again, where I just was like very excited for someone, you know, um, very invested in this like child story. Um, right. And then as it goes on, it gets darker and darker. And with the Harry Potter stuff, I dropped off because, you know, like I, I think I had sex and I was like, oh, what if I had sex instead? Um, no, I, <laughs> I just, you know, I just didn't get into it. But uh, eventually, you know, with um, Stranger Things, it finds its footing um, as a different kind of thing. And it's still, you know, uh, childish and, and at times incredibly annoying. Um, yeah. but it is, it is, it's good. It's like worth watching. But like endearingly in, in annoying. It's, it's, it's odd. Yeah. It's odd. There, there's just something about like, cause I'm not immune to, to like when the series gets, you know, saccharine and, and mm-hmm. a little on the nose and stuff. But, but I'm, I'm an unabashed fan of, of stranger things. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, at the end of the day, I'm kind of like with Matt, I'm like, I just care about these characters and I'm, I will continue to watch, you know, totally. no matter how, if, if you can make it through season two, then you can make it, you know, then you're going to be in for the ride. But it's, right. uh, I know, but do you know how tired I am of hearing this shit? Yeah, like like it really gets good about 15, 17 episodes in. Like, fucking, <laughs> how much time do you think I have? Like, yeah, but- I, maybe maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll go back. Just maybe- read a synop- read a synopsis of the second season, and mm-hmm. then start with season three. That that'd yeah, be you actually could do that because there. I mean, there's some like good good emotional stuff towards the end, but also one of the worst episodes that they've ever done is this weird spinoff where Eleven turns into a fucking new mutant for some reason and goes and yeah. into, into the city and finds other fucking Elevens and shit and just starts yeah. like what? being like a badass punk club. It's like, it is the most bizarre thing only for her to go. Nah, I'm cool. And then like fucking come back for the, yeah, and they just drop. It's like, the it, it has, it has nothing. To, I mean, it has something to do because they, they're setting up the other kids that were in the, in the program, which comes up later, but it's like mm. you read the synopsis, start with, with three, uh, or, or, you know, revisit it, pick up with the beginning of season three. And if you watch the first couple episodes of that and you're not into it, then maybe you're just not into it. But like, I, I think three is where they go. You know what? We're just going to have a lot of fucking fun. I just want to have fun with this. Right show. On. Right. I just, not I, I just want a, a talisman adaptation, not to be pulling punches, you know, mm-hmm. as, as Matt pointed out right. earlier, like so much of this book is about child abuse. And yeah. like mm-hmm. most of the fucking characters that Jack encounters in his journey are fucking they're pedophiles or they yeah. will fucking hit you in the face. Like whether yeah. or not you're 12 mm-hmm. years you're old, wanting to you know, children in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Enslave them or, you know, whatever. Yeah. If yeah. you fucking if you dial that back, I think it's it, it's not that I necessarily want to see this stuff dramatized, but it's to me, it's inherent to the story being told. But this kid persevering and in the face of all this fucking, you know, just constant. um, It's abuse, but also like just, you know, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. You need you need that in there and you can't like file the teeth off of that. Right. So and and, you know, that's that's something I've always been curious about with like. 
is that Steven Spielberg's vision of this? Mm. You know, like, like, is it, if he bought the rights before it was even like he could even read it, like, does he envision a more, a a softer touch on this material? I I really hope it does not have that. I hope it's like an R rated fucking series that just happens to have a kid in it. Like, yeah, like the it franchise or stand by me or, or whatever the fuck else. I'm not interested in seeing a version of this where it's like, you know, Jack goes to work at the Oatly tap and the, the bartender or the owner is just like, he says some snarky things from time to time, you know, like, no, right. he's got to be an abusive fucking asshole. He's got to, yeah. fucking, you know, like I, we need that in this story. I, so. I have a little bit of faith that the, the Duffer brothers will be able to pull it off, but I also, ha- I have less of an emotional investment uh, than maybe you guys do for whether or not it's good. I feel That's like fair. you're in good, good enough hands that I kind of like feel like you've got a good shot of getting a good series out of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that uh, I doubt it's going to be hard R, but it, it, it'll, if, if you do what re- get into stranger things again and watch the third and fourth seasons, if, if it can hit the, the, the level of, of threat of the fourth season, then I think that you would be happy enough, uh, with, with the adaptation. Um, yeah. Right on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see, you know, in terms of Spielberg's involvement, my feeling is that at this point, he's probably like produce it. I'll give you my my notes and thoughts. But like my feeling is that this is going to be the Duffers. Uh, you know, yeah, probably or they're going to be the creative leads on it. So, yeah, that would be my guess. Um, but yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think that about brings this conversation to a close. All right. Um, yeah. We're we're over the two hour mark. Um, okay, that's pretty good. Very very leisurely and sprawling episode. I don't I don't expect to hear any complaints about this. And if if there are, fuck um, they will be met with extreme chug prejudice. on the slop, you fucking <laughs> hogs. I'm sorry, guys. I don't mean to say it. Matt says it because we can't say it. Exactly. But, but yes, uh, we we love our beautiful and handsome listeners. Um, <laughs> I always love I, I you know I always love talking about the talisman. Like I can do this. I could do I'm another glad. two hours on this. But we I'm glad we could talk about it. Uh, I'll give it a, a solid B plus. Um, and right uh, you know, which is a grade. If you know my podcast, um, you know I don't I don't say it lightly. When I give something a solid B plus, it earns it. Um, and yeah, not you a know, gentleman's B plus. But a That's solid right. B plus. That's <laughs> right. It's a great show. It's a it's a great uh, book, um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it hits all the marks. You know, it's a, yeah, it doesn't have any titties, but also it doesn't have any <laughs> any women. So you know, solid B plus. <laughs> Just one very sick one. Just one yeah. sick woman who stays put. And that's what we lack here. Oh, no, by, I'm, by the way, I'm not actually the... bad, everyone. I'm just doing jokes. On the <laughs> on the casting note, I, th- I think Barbara Crampton should play uh, mm. the Queen of the Bees. For yeah, sure. that would be she's, sick. I, I don't know. I mean, she's a little little uh, old for the role, I think. Uh, I think she would have been what absolutely to say, perfect Eric? for it in, in the, the 90s. God, but, uh, a little Morgan Sloat over here. I know, mm. a little Morgan Sloat. Uh, ever mm-hmm. since uh, we we uh, we've talked to Kate Siegel about this, and Kate has mm. said that that was one of her dream parts would to play would be to play Lily and wow. uh, the Queen of the Bees. And I'm like, you know what? I think she'd actually be really fucking great in that. So that's ever awesome. since she said that, she's been on my mind. So 
fuck you guys got you got you're talking about kate siegel kate siegel <laughs> not not married with children kate oh That's what you're, man. You're talking about. no no uh she's in haunting of hill house oh i like Mike her Flanagan's too. wife yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's cool too. Nice. Fuck yeah. Yeah, they oh. came out for the uh live event we did in Bangor last year. That's yeah. amazing. That is I think that might be where she said it. Yeah, you guys I got, get I got, I got, I got, I got into a guests. public fight with Kate at a uh I was gonna say a red lobster because that's a, that was the level of restaurant we were at. <laughs> but it was it was a no, Chinese the Irish, place. The Irish fucking yeah, her, oh, the uh, Chinese her handwriting place, right? was terrible, and I wasn't afraid yeah. about calling it out in front of everyone. Yeah. Nice, uh, hell yeah, <laughs> love Kate Siegel, love oh, her. Yeah, yeah, she's great. You guys, That's it's crazy. Sweet. You guys get really good guests. Uh, thank you for having um, me on the pod. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Well, there is a strike on. There's um, a strike, but- and <laughs> clearly, uh, you had a few cancellations. I get it, but you know. Hey. No, but when you, you know, I, I did y'all show the other day and when you mentioned the talisman, it was like the Kill Bill sirens went off in my head. I was oh, like, oh, we got to get that going on. Hell yeah. So, hell yeah. you know, thank you so much for uh, for being here and talking yeah. talisman with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, once again, I want to remind your beautiful, handsome listeners who I love dearly yes. um, that if you uh, love The Wire... Or you love Sopranos? Um, check out Pod Yourself. Matt has another slop to give you. Yeah, I have some more slop for your, uh, you know, your enlarged bellies to uh, fucking fill up on. So I have uh, never, I have never seen The Wire, so I have not listened to any of the Pod Yourself a Wire stuff. I, kn- or I knew you hadn't wire. seen it, and I knew because you were describing shows where you have to watch 14 episodes in order to get into it, and I was like, oh, he's never seen The Wire. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I did try at one point. And was just of like, course you did. Uh, Everyone's I don't have the patience for this I right did, I did it. I got, I got two discs in back in the day, mm-hmm. and I was like, I have no idea who anybody is, yeah. what they want. It throws you into the stuff. deep end. Yeah, but uh, the lore is actually incre- it's v- incredibly similar to that of a fantasy novel uh, in that, like, <laughs> it throws you into the deep end. Um, you don't know necessarily and you don't know anyone's name. It's very hard. It's just kind of like it, it, there's a lot of verisimilitude. It almost feels like documentary. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. documentary sorry, at all, but it, it, it almost feels like everything feels so natural that um, you can find yourself uh, you know, getting lost. Um, but once the world is sufficiently built and yes, it takes like a little while, um, y- it starts really singing and upon rewatch, uh, is a lot of the times when people realize they are witnessing probably the best TV series of all time. I, I will, I will only tack onto that, that I, I, I did listen to a bunch of the Soprano show. Um, mm. It's so fucking good. Uh, uh, thank it's you. It's exactly the show that I would want to listen to about The Sopranos. I'm sure The Wire is no different. I just would not have the context to yeah. understand. Any, I, I watched The Wire and I didn't have the context for The Wire. So so to to listen to a show about it, I 
yeah. you would need to what really I'm, what i'm saying is can you need guests for uh pod yourself a john from cincinnati you know give me a <laughs> hell break. yeah dude john will <laughs> soon be gone Let's talk. i don't know butchie instead bro fuck yeah i love that show but i don't know what it was about man but it was awesome yeah gone, no. but not forgotten Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll have you on for pod yourself at Downton Abbey, and um, <laughs> have you seen that yeah. show? No. Ah, oh, you know, I I, I don't. In my heart of know. hearts, that is the the next show I want to do. But we will literally lose a hundred percent of our audience, <laughs> and so it would be can't. it would be funny to bring y'all's talents to bear on on, on Downton Abbey. Dude, I think. I'm telling yeah. you, that show fucking rules. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure people are great. tired of me. They're done. Uh, yeah, thank you All right, guys. Let's get out of here. Many thanks to Matt Lieb for coming back on the show. And uh, this is the first time in the main feed, I believe. And I think he killed it. He did. He did a great job. Um, talisman conversations go off in a number of different directions, but uh, and, and are rarely short. I think when we started recording yesterday's episode, I was like. Eh, it'll probably be like 90 minutes. Now we blew right past the two hour mark. It's just, there's too much shit to talk about. Especially when we spend 20 minutes just talking about how much uh, Richard Sloat sucks. <laughs> yeah. But and I, was yeah. Very, I didn't realize I had such strong opinions until he brought that up. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't read it recently enough to, to really have a strong opinion on Richard Sloat other than that he's just, you know, kind of a doorstop. Um, right, <laughs> but 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 I I uh, appreciated the passion that came through in y'all's voices on that. Yeah, well, that's what we're here for, baby. Uh, so speaking of passion, you want to talk about our badass upcoming uh, bonus episode on Friday, and I'll hit, yes. hit the teaser for the main feed after you done. We are going to be speaking with uh, a former colleague of mine, Mr. Matt Goldberg. Uh, he was. Um, I forget exactly what his title was over at Collider, but he had been there for a very long time and had worked his way up that chain of command. I think he was the managing editor. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he left Collider to go work for Turner Classic Movies. And uh, well, he's he's since been laid off. But this is a guy uh, who eats, breathes, sleeps movies. And he also happens to be reading his way through the um, to the Dark Tower series. I recently found out. And so I asked him if there were anything in particular about it that stuck out to him that he'd be interested in coming on to discuss with us. And he immediately pointed out the scene uh, in The Gunslinger where Roland uh, kind of murders an entire town of people and was mm-hmm. surprised by this. And, you know, um, I think we have a, a debate to be had about whether or not you could bring a scene like that to the, to the screen in an adaptation. Uh, would it be too much? Is it would it be the most extreme king thing that's ever been uh, realized on screen? I don't think so. Uh, so we're going to be we're going to be talking about that and the concept of antiheroes and, you know, everything that uh, might be a satellite on a discussion like this. We will leave no stone unturned. We'll be doing yeah, that definitely. on the Patreon this Friday. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a really cool uh, jumping off point to talk about King's more extreme moments, because every mm-hmm. once in a while he'll pop up with one of those things that will just like knock you for a loop uh whether it's a a child death or you know you know shit something weasels. just supremely so shit weasel something supremely out of left field and fucked up either narratively or whatever he, he throws those in from time to time and i think there's a lot of meat there so i'm excited to record that one yeah i'm gonna i'm bringing up in the tall grass 
almost immediately and just <laughs> dropping that nuke <laughs> into that conversation. I'm, I'm, we haven't recorded this one yet, but I'm very excited to. So go over to patreon.com backslash the Kingcast, sign up. You'll immediately unlock a whole wonderland of, of bonus episodes that stretch back a couple of years. Commentary tracks, interviews, weird curveball conversations, mailbag episodes, live events, you name it. There's hours and hours and hours and hours of, uh, you know, uh, listening material available to you over on the I, Patreon. I appreciate you danced around uh, try, saying the, the word, word content. content. You you yep. did that just for me, and I I, yes. I love you yes, for it. Yes. So thank you very much. <laughs> it um, almost came out of my mouth. Uh, I, I could sense it, and I, my hackles were raising, and, and you, mm-hmm. you avoided the, le, that landmine. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as next week on the main feed, the topic is sell yes we are going back to sell have we done sell in the main i don't i can't remember i know we've talked about it in the i know uh, on we the did. patreon before and we did a commentary yeah we did the commentary but i don't i don't know i don't want to say definitively we haven't and then it turns out we have done it and i'm like forgetting some guests <laughs> yes um, that'll look really bad so uh it uh, all blends look, together after a while I, yes. I will say it's not been covered much on this show no matter how you cut it yeah, I don't and, know how, how much of that is because we're wanting to avoid revisiting Cell, mm-hmm. uh, the book and or the movie. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to be something that pops up almost as a joke, like when we're like listing off like really shitty Stephen King movies, mm-hmm. like Cell is like right at the top of the list. So uh, so, yeah, it'll be a lively discussion. And it occurs to me as I'm talking that I don't really know how to tease our guests uh, as well as, as uh, Mr. Well, Walper I can, might. I can, so. I can yeah. handle that part, yeah. Um, our guest is a returning guest, um, has been on the show only once before, and it's been a while. They're an artist of some renown, and they are also particularly an artist who um, has been delving into um, AI artwork, which I'm very curious to talk to this guest about. Um, and, and it'll be on topic in a conversation about cell, which is sort of this anti-technology, anti-phone <laughs> thing. Right. Um, but uh, I kind of want to I, I want to pick his brain about that a little bit because um, I have conflicted feelings about all that shit, as a lot of people do. And, you know, it's now becoming a major issue in Hollywood. So we're going to touch uh, a bit on that and the work that he's doing these days. And then we're also going to. Um, probably bury sell where it stands. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine it's going to get much of a fair shake from from anyone involved. It is not a good film. So look forward to that in the main feed next week. Awesome. Yeah, we got some good stuff lined up. So looking forward to uh, seeing y'all next week when we talk about sell. Adios, folks. Bye. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. <laughs>